With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Be his fault. It's just that's what we're dealing with. That's where we are right now. And whoever was saddled with the burden of dealing with those problems are going to face problems that are basically insurmountable, at least in a painless way. We're going to go through some trouble. We're going to see some serious trouble before this is all over. And then... After we have taken our medicine, which we do not want to take, and we'll do anything to avoid taking, but after we take our medicine, and that's what will probably have to happen, then we can start to rebuild. Then we may get a lot of the craziness and the stupidity beat out of us by reality. Then we can start rebuilding say, okay, here's the truth of the matter. Let's put this brick on top of this brick, and let's see if we can build a wall. Let's see if we can build a building. Let's see if we can build a skyscraper. Let's make something, but we'll start with the truth once we get knocked back down to where we can see it. We got out of an article here from Alan Greenspan, and he's uh, this up. Says this is this is from Bloomberg. Headline is Greenspan foresees five percent interest rates. Only one long-term direction, and that is up. Here's a couple of quotes from an interview with Alan uh, by Bloomberg with Alan Greenspan. He says we could see a shift away from excess excessively low interest rates fairly soon. Now, he doesn't say what fairly soon means, and he's, I suppose, 90 years old, so I'm not sure that fairly soon means the same thing to him that that means to teenagers, but uh, he says still a shift away from excessively low interest rates. He thinks interest rates are going to rise. He says, I think in the area of 3 to 4 or 5% eventually, that's the rise he's anticipating, but uh, that's what the rates have been historically, not only for hundreds of years, but for thousands of years. We're moving into the very early stages of inflation acceleration. That could be the trigger. There's only one long-term direction in interest rates, and that is up. It's a problem, as as is going from where we are now with you know half a percent interest rate to four or five percent. There's a whole structure of adjustments which have to which have taken place since 2008, which have to be unwound, and that's not going to be done without a problem. And he's saying there's going to be trouble. Goes on, and he's, this is a fundamental theme that he's advanced over the course of the last oh four months, maybe five. I'm not sure. If you listen to the debates in the primaries, nobody is addressing the fundamental issues that need to be addressed. Entitlements are rising and choking off gross domestic savings and ultimately gross domestic investment. And it's the major cause of the reason why output per hour and productivity were so flat, not only in the United States, but throughout the developed world. What he's saying here is we've got too many people who have this entitlement mentality. And it's all wrong. The truth of the matter is not one of us is entitled to a dime we haven't personally earned. And it doesn't make any difference what your gender is, what your age is, what your race is. You're not entitled. And then the government says, oh, you're special. You're entitled. No, you're not. You're not entitled to anything you haven't earned. And people, as long as we ignore that reality, we're going to continue to go deeper and deeper into trouble. 
People are convinced they are entitled to things they haven't earned. It isn't true. It's a lie. You can't have something you haven't personally earned except by taking it from someone who did earn it. It's theft. Entitlements are theft. It's a fancy name for it, but it's, it's theft. You know, blacks are complaining about white privilege. Whites have white privilege, all right? I would complain about black entitlements. All right? Blacks have entitlements. Whites have privileges. The truth is... Neither is more right or wrong than the other. You're not entitled to anything you haven't earned. And when you get something like that, uh, and the society embraces that philosophy, it's just trouble. It means that people, $9 trillion have disappeared out of the Pentagon. We have illegal aliens coming into the country and filing income tax returns so they can get money that they haven't earned. They didn't pay any income tax, but they're getting refunds, right? This is part of an entitlement mentality, which is legalized theft that's authorized by the government. And I would hope that Mr. Trump is going to do something about that. I hope he pays attention to what Mr. Greenspan has said about the dangers of entitlements and begins to wean this country off that dependency, that nonsense, that that suicidal tendency. We're out of time. I want to thank all of you for listening. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Todd, the producer. Bye-bye. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. on current news and events. This show is not for the faint of heart or easily offended. 
chances are you will learn something and along the way get to hear some great music from bands you may have missed. The doctor is in and he will see you now. Well, I guess we better get on with it. Good morning, everybody. It's live. We're in Houston and we are rocking. Got a lot going on here today, so we're going to get right down to it. Once again, it is morning in America, day two, with President-elect Donald Trump. And there's all kinds of stuff being stirred up. We have a local TV reporter here, and she happens to work for Fox 26, local here in Houston, named Scarlett Fracar, and uh, I like her. I've uh, done a few shows down at 26 myself. Um, Fox 26 is an interesting station. Uh, it's predominantly black down there. And they uh, they predominantly deal with a lot of black issues. So anyway, it turns out that uh, Scarlett Fakar is uh, in a situation because she wrote a pro-Trump. Uh, she wrote a pro-Trump post and put it up on her uh, on her Facebook page. And uh, I'm just going to read it to you. He says, since everyone is talking about how they woke up uh, yesterday morning, I'll just go ahead and say I could barely sleep because I was so happy and relieved with the election. I had prayed about this for a long time, and I know that many of the God-fearing men and women out there also prayed. And, God, I love this woman even more already. That this country, which had somehow become more violent and more racist under the Barack Obama administration, would get the best leader possible in this election. Into this America that I once knew. Want to talk about going downhill? Look what Barack Obama has done. He's made the entire country hate one another. I mean, were you happy with how many people were killing each other in our own country? I work in the news business, and I hate to say it, but the number of African Americans killing one another far outweighs the number of them being killed by whites. And now you have groups murdering police officers, both black and white. How did this happen? Barack Obama. You guys want another administration like that? So that's what she put out there. And I say, God bless Scarlett Fakar, but uh, now uh, they're all upset down there at Fox 26 because, well, after all, Scarlett Fakar works in a predominantly black station, and I hate to say it, it's a racial issue. But uh, black people don't like to talk about the fact that they are more likely to be killed by another black person than they are even by a police officer. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And uh, Scarlett Picar, thank you for pointing out the truth. You are a newswoman, and you are someone that I ultimately respect even more now that you've come out and said that. So um, she posted that comment on her personal page, but now it's getting spread around, and now she's getting scrutiny for breaking journalistic code. Oh, my God. I didn't even know there was a journalistic code. Have you seen CNN? Ha, 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 ha. Uh, and I'm not a journalist. Folks, I am not a journalist. This is an opinion radio station, and I'm going to give you my opinion, and I hope that you're not terrifically offended. I don't really care. If you try, if you want to complain about this election or you want to celebrate it, uh, then uh, Scott Jones of uh, FoxTVLive.com, he, he said, look, it's your job to remain unbiased and just report the story. Now, he misspelled that because he's in journalism. Uh, he said, 
It's your job to remain unbiased and just report the story. Really? Well, Scott Jones, have you ever watched CNN? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, they're all they're still having heart attacks at CNN. They don't know what they're going to do. But anyway, he said, look, Scarlett, if you want to complain or you want to celebrate the election, then I suggest you quit your job and get out of the TV new business. I mean, if you want to be a bank teller or an accountant, well, you go right ahead and make your feelings known. Celebrate a protest, Trump's victory, all you want. But if you, a journalist, want to complain, you don't have that option. I'm sorry, but it comes with a territory. Really? <laughs> Everyone has an opinion about this election, and while it may be fine to talk about it among friends, posting an opinion on social media or personal public reflects poorly on the integrity of our job here at a predominantly black TV station where we have celebrated Barack Obama in spite of the fact that more blacks are being killed by, by more blacks. I mean, you know. So, anyway, Scarlett Fakar, my hat is literally off to you. Here it is. Oh, yeah. There's my hat. Well, Scarlett Fakar, my hat is off to you. God bless you, and I appreciate it so much. So, anyway, we got got that going for us. Got a lot more for you on the show today. We're not We're not stopping there. Uh, one of the things we want to talk about is how uh, this is affecting uh, people that are here illegally. we got people that are here illegally. Did you know that? There are people that are here illegally, and this is really affecting them. So uh, we want to talk about that a little bit here today. Uh, according to this story, this is an opinion piece by Marjorie. No, that's just the photo. Thomas Ratliff wrote this. He said, for 20 years, the Texas State Board of education had a reputation for being out of step with public education or even the public at large. Our history has been colorful to say that. So it is with a sense of pride and camaraderie that I can report that the current board is doing things many observers thought impossible just a few years ago. We're working on real issues facing our schools in a thoughtful and bipartisan way. Admittedly, this is from my own perspective, but not everyone will agree with my specifics. But in 2012, we added nine new members, each with his own unique background and experience, but all with a heart for the kids in the district. We don't agree on things, to be sure, but we're speaking from a basis of what is best for parents, kids, teachers, school districts, cost of state. We don't view issues through a March primary lens. This seems like a small step, but it's a giant leap for the board. In 2015, the Texas Ledge passed a House Bill 2804 establishing the Texas Commission on Next Generation Assessments and Accountability. This was a joint effort involving several stakeholders of public elections. Board of Education Chairwoman Donna Beorich was allowed to stand as one of the board's 15 members to serve on the committee. She chose Erica Beltran, an, a Hispanic Democrat from Dallas. Donna didn't choose her for political reasons. She chose her because she felt she could do the job well and represent the board in a thoughtful and bipartisan manner. This kind of bipartisanship is the new normal for the majority of the board and our students, parents, school districts are the direct beneficiaries. Earlier this year, a former member of the board submitted a toxic textbook related to Mexican-American studies. This book has garnered a kind of negative and inflammatory attention the board saw in previous years. Ironically, during the tenure of this former member, however, the current board has seen this book for what it is, and there's very every indication that it is headed for a resounding defeat at our meeting later this year. I don't think we'll have to rip the cover off the book to justify rejecting it, we literally have turned the page on this type of issues and stunts. Now let's turn to the election results from Tuesday. Kevin Ellis 
will take my place for 31 counties in District 9 that include Sherman, Texarkana, Lufkin, and Tyler. He's most recently the president of the Lufkin ISD, and three kids attended his three kids attended public school. God help him. He has seen the challenges and opportunities for public schools at the local level and has a real-world understanding of what those schools and their families need from the State Board of Education. Candidly, he's more qualified for the job than I was when I ran seven years ago. I have no doubt that District 9 will be well-represented by Kevin for at least the next four years. The other new face on the board is going to be Georgina Perez, replacing Martha Dominguez in District 1 because it's so important that... You know, you've got to have plenty of Hispanic people on here because all Hispanic people think alike. And all Hispanic people are going to do what's good for Hispanic people, right? Anyway, I, I'm sorry, I had to interject that. Represents 40 counties in the southwestern part of the state, strep, stretching from both women's hometown of El Paso to Bandera to Del Rio. Paris will bring her passion and energy and heart for the kids in her community. To her service on the board, District 1 residents will have a strong advocate in their corner. No government body will ever be perfect, and there will be no unavoidable flare-ups due to the emotional importance of the stakes riding on many issues. But the Board of Education has made strides to become representative of all Texans, so as I step down, I see a bright future ahead. Thomas Ratliff. I'm going to have more on that in a future story, but I'm just going to leave that the way it is. Meanwhile, Texas GOP officials across the state say they feel emboldened by Trump's win. Young young illegal aliens and the 1.2 million Texans with health insurance under Barack Obama's Affordable Care Act face uncertain futures. Once again, the Affordable Care Act is what I blew up Chelsea Clinton with at her big rally up there in the... in Oshkosh, you know, where she had about 250 people that were bussed in to listen to her. Um, there's nothing affordable about the Affordable Care Act. The way it works is people who do not have jobs, people that produce nothing, people that have earned nothing, people that have no right to anything, get free health care. While those who have worked very hard, who have gone to school, gotten their education, gone to other schools, learned their trades, gone into the military and and learned that business and then came out to try to live in a civilian life, those people are the ones who are being destroyed by the, quote, Affordable Care Act, which I will hereafter call the Obama Don't Care Act. The Obama Don't Care Act was designed to take from the poor and give to the worthless. That's what it was for. Because let's face it, everybody today is poor. I don't care if you make $100,000 a year. The cost of living is exorbitant. $100,000 a year. Back in 1964, a guy who was making $50,000 a year, excuse me, no, 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 I'll get it right here. $100,000 a year. Yeah, back in 1964, a guy making $5,000 a year had the same buying power that a man making $100,000 a year has today. Did you hear me? 1964, a man making $5,000 a year had the same buying power that a man who is making $100,000 a year today has. You see, nothing has changed. Uh, today, someone who is making uh, $15 an hour is making less than half of what a guy who is making a buck fifty an hour 
back in the, or, or excuse me, five, 75 cents an hour back in 1964. This whole thing is a scam. It's being perpetrated on you by the Federal Reserve, which, as uh, I believe it was the chaplain Jim C. Robert pointed out on the show yesterday, is uh, ab- about as federal as FedEx is. The only difference is FedEx actually performs a service that's valuable to a lot of people, and the Federal Reserve, the only service they're performing is making sure that the, the uh, seven richest families on the planet uh, have everything they need and pay nothing for it. Anyway, I digress. So reactions across the state have varied. GOP officials are very happy about it. Ted Cruz called Ted Cruz called Tuesday a change election, and in an interview with the Tribune on Wednesday, our beloved Governor Greg Open Waters Abbott said the outcome made one thing abundantly clear. Millions of Americans feel they have been ignored by the political class in Washington, D.C., and that prioritizes protecting an elite establishment before we the people. Well, yeah, we do. We feel like the John Culbersons of this world, the Ted Poe's of this world, ignore us. And they don't do anything meaningful. They ignore their oath of office. They fail to do anything that they're required by law to do. Uh, Just generally a bad situation. Now, with the Republicans set to control the White House, in addition to both chambers of Congress, I'll get it right yet, 1.2 million Texans with health health insurance under the Affordable Care Act face an uncertain future. Well, that's okay. We don't really care about that, per se. Um, And then we've got another problem. Oh, uh, it also says here, but a total repeal of the Affordable Care Act appears unlikely without a 60-vote Republican supermajority in the United States Senate. Well, that's because half the Republicans in the U.S. Senate are Democrats. Another group worried about the repercussions of a Trump presidency are all of the illegal aliens here in Texas who have been given free everything since they got here. Uh, Donald Trump promised during his campaign that he was going to end the deferred action for, for uh, children arrivals that we sometimes call dreamers who came here to give our children nightmares. Anyway, uh, it says those dreamers who came out of the shadow during uh, Barack and St. Obama's tenure may now be deported. Holy smoke! Oh, my God! We're going to start enforcing the law! Woo! This is terrible! Why would we do that? We haven't enforced it for eight years. I mean, you know, why would we care now? Anyway, I don't know about you, but I happen to know that Donald Trump is going to make America great again. He is going to do it, and I am glad to be sitting here with a front row seat to the future. I am totally excited about it. I'm absolutely stoked about it. Life is good in America today, guys. It is good, and we are making a difference. And that excites me to no end. So, uh, anyway, let's see what we got in here. We get, All right, we got Tex, Tex Gun Owners in there. Yeah, Anchor Babies, baby, you know it. Well, you guys know that the 14th Amendment, it was written for the people that had just been born in America during that period of time. They never envisioned that we would fail to enforce the law. They never envisioned that we would not have borders in America because, after all, having just dispossessed the Native Americans of their land, we understood what it was like to have borders in America. 
So that never even occurred to them. And in fact, the opinions that were written when it was asked back in the day uh, said that certainly if a child is born to someone in the United States that has an allegiance to a foreign king, that child's allegiance automatically is to that foreign king. They are not U.S. citizens, never meant to be U.S. citizens. But the problem is we have a lawless bunch of people running this place. Barack Hussein Obama, the most dangerous man in the world for the next 30 days, next 60 days. Yeah, Barack Hussein Obama is still president. Yeah, he can still take us to war. He might. This guy is a lawless criminal. He should be in solitary confinement right now, awaiting the outcome of the investigation of his lawless actions. For one thing, I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely rooting for someone who will find out who this guy really is. Because the birth certificate that he posted, don't forget, was created in Photoshop, Adobe Photoshop. And it was done in layers. And he forgot to flatten it. The person who forged that for him ended up being the only person who died when an uh, airplane in Hawaii, a little touring aircraft in Hawaii, crashed. Everybody got out alive except for the young lady that created that document. She confessed to creating that document. Therefore, I guess there's no one to charge with forgery since the person who actually did the forgery is dead. But what about the guy who's the beneficiary of that forgery? Brock and St. Obama should be prosecuted. He should be deposed. He should be waterboarded if necessary until we get the answers to this. Now, the reason why he probably won't is because, well, there are a lot of Republicans that were complicit in that. They were complicit at the very least because they didn't ask any questions. Mitch McConnell, so afraid that he would be attacked in the news media, at least I hope that's what it was. I hope Mitch McConnell is not just an outright traitor to this country, in which case maybe he should be waterboarded too. Mitch McConnell and John Boehner, the weeper. Both of those guys were complicit in this because if they weren't complicit in this, they would have been up there asking every day, we've got to confirm that the President of the United States is actually who he says he is. They should have been asking that question, shouldn't they? Who was in charge of that? Who was looking out for you? Well, it wasn't sure as hell wasn't Bill O'Reilly. Because I saw Bill O'Reilly get on his national TV show, and you can still find it on YouTube, where he lied to save this president's ass. Bill O'Reilly got on there and said the reason why his Social Security number, the one this president uses, belonged to Harry J. Bunnell uh, from Connecticut, who died, uh, you know, years and years and years back. The reason he has that Social Security number is because his father, Barry Sotero, once lived in Connecticut. Well, nothing could be further from the truth, because nearest I can tell, his father never lived in Connecticut. And B, unlike what uh, O'Reilly said, your Social Security number is not automatically issued in the state that your father lived in. But that's what O'Reilly said on his news show. He out and out lied, which is why I don't really have any... Well, I, I almost never listen to O'Reilly, and I certainly don't pay any attention to Fox News. Uh, I guess if you like TV news, it's probably as good as any of them, maybe better than a couple, certainly better than CNN. But the fact of the matter is, you guys right now 
uh, Peggy Barnett and Steve Malloy and Wendy Hendrickson. Uh, you guys are listening to probably the only honest, unfiltered newscast out there. Randy Thompson, good to see you. I hope the Soros money is now caught up, cut off. But the fact of the matter is, anything can happen during the next 90 days. Hey, Greg, good to see you. <laughs> yep, MoveOn.org is the one who called all those protesters to go out and hit the street. And Wendy, Barack and St. Obama, I have to give credit where credit is due. That particular quote came from my associate at Raging Elephants Radio. That uh, that came from the one, the only, Apostle Claver T. Kabawi Mani. But nonetheless, guys, oh, and be sure to share the stream with everybody. Nonetheless, Barack Obama should be in prison awaiting the outcome of the investigation. This is the guy that holds every secret to this country, everything that we hold dear. He holds it. He has it in his hand. God knows how many people he shared that with. Barack and St. Obama, the one who played golf every day that he was in the presidency, he didn't care who, who lied and who died. He played golf every day. Don't forget George Bush quit playing golf his first year in office and did not play any golf until he got out because he said, as long as I got boys over there, uh, shedding blood for this country, I'm not going to do it. But Barack Hussein Obama does not fall into that same genre of high-quality individuals. He absolutely does not. So, anyway, it is morning in America again. It's morning in Texas again, and I am personally very excited that we're going to start deporting illegal aliens again. I'm also very excited that we are going to build the wall so this is all really, really good information. We got a, a new Republican on the State Board of Education. I just gave a little bit of that. And he isn't saying anything about the idea of creationism. Kevin Ellis, the newest Republican on the State Board of Education, is keeping his politics on a hot-button issue close to the vest. In an interview Wednesday, he declined to say anything specific about his views on whether Texas should keep, keep creationism and its science standards, and the d debate the nation will watch when the State Board of Education takes that issue up next year. He is a chiropractor out of Lufkin. He won the race Tuesday for District 9 against Democrat Amanda Rudolph by more than 50 percentage points, getting 74% of the vote, and he will, out, he will replace the outgoing liberal Republican Thomas Ratliff on the 15 board <laughs> member in January. All right, there, I said it. Three Republican incumbents also kept their seated as Dem Democrat challengers Tuesday, despite the speculation that the divisive Republican presidential uh, candidate Donald Trump will keep the GOP voters at home. I'm going to try to read this story without commenting, and then I'm going to get after it, okay? The board's political makeup remained the same. Ten Republicans uh, split between... Uh, uh, liberal and far right and five liberal Democrats, which means that we have ten liberals and five conservatives on that board. And it remains to be seen whether Ellis is going to change the stakes or not. But the Texas State Board of Education has received national attention for an upcoming fight over whether to keep creationism in the Texas science curriculum standards. The Texas Education Agency convened a panel of educators that voted to remove the passages with creationist uh, language from science curriculum standards. 
Let me read that to you again. The Texas Board of Education has received national attention. They convened a panel of educators that voted to remove passages from the with creationist language from science curriculum standards. The state vote will board will vote on whether to accept that recommendation early next year. Okay, I can't get through the story. I can't. I can't do it. I cannot do it. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to comment on it. There's no no getting around it. And I I apologize for my lack of decorum. Okay. Give me a second right here. Oh man, my poor little computer processor is going nuts here because I'm just worn it to death. Anyway, the Doc Green Show, live from Houston, Texas, where we do have a problem. Sylvester the Cat is our mayor. I'm going to be right back. Automobile aficionado, Apostle Claver here. Let me introduce you to my mechanic, an ASC certified mechanic, Andre at America's Repair in Houston. Now, you guys know I'm a former fully sponsored race car driver, and I own a high-performance auto. You bet I'm particular about who even touches my car. I go to America's Repair to get all my auto work done, and you should, too. Andre has served Spring Branch and all of Houston for over 20 years. America's Repair will match or beat any competitor's price. All repairs come with a one-year, 12,000-mile warranty. America's Repair is a complete car care and repair center. State inspection, muffler and exhaust work, wheel alignment, brake work, tune-ups, engine transmission work, auto body and paint, great deals on oil change and AC checkup. America's Repair accepts all extended warranties. 2005 North Gessner, one mile north of Memorial City Mall in the Katy. Wednesday is Senior Citizen Discount. Thursday, Active Military Discount. Call 713-467-2001. 713-467-2001. AmericasRepair.com. Or click the ad on RagingElephantsRadio.com. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. I'm Gary Wilcox with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurants. 
the adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and you're back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down, and it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and needed to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with Pep Floors, and he came out and measured. The measurement process went very easily, and when it came installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great, and service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It, it, there's no special care. It, it's really nice. We actually have a mobile showroom, so I can come out to your home or office at a time that's convenient for you, and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home. I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this. It's not like I've done this one or two times, but I've done it many, many times. So give me a phone call, and I'm happy to come out there. I do estimates for you right there on the spot, and it's all free of charge. That's floor of Houston. Floor.com. Texas Specialties is in a little town of 1000, Three Rivers, Texas. Texas Specialties is a small family business in a town where treating people right is a way of life. The Stubbs family, Texas Specialties. Started out doing high-quality T-shirts for Texas music scene bands at affordable prices. Everything, the design, the artwork, the printing, accepting minimum orders, even selling T-shirts for the bands online. And now they bring that experience to you anywhere in Texas. Texas Specialties can do the same for any small business, for teachers, for schools, dance classes, athletic teams, clubs, and anyone needing good quality screen printing at an affordable price. The Stubbs family loves to work with ideas and the people who have them. Your experience with Texas Specialties will be excellent. Anything less just will not do. Call 361-784-2052. 361-784-2052. Click Texas Specialties. Add on RagingElephantsRadio.com. You're listening to the amazing Dapperine Show. We are live in Houston on this Thursday, Kentucky Day for the Electronic and American. Huh. Yeah, Greg is a computer guy. Hey, you need to come see me, Greg. I can use a little help. He's suggesting I clean out a bunch of stuff. What he doesn't realize, perhaps... It's the incredible amount of uh, power it takes just to run that video card. And then when you add to it a playback device and a recorder, well, then you end up with what we got here. So anyway, glad to have you guys back on the Doc Green Show. When we left off, I was uh, getting a slight, slightly apoplectic over reading this story that I read here. And so we're going to have to go back to that. Apparently, a bunch of wise educators have determined that creationism is just too unscientific to be taught to our poor little children. We all know that evolution is not a theory anymore. It's absolute fact. Man, what a bunch of muttonheads these guys are. Jesus, help me. I need your help, Father God. Let me tell you, the more you study creationism, the more sense it makes. 
Evolution doesn't work. I don't care on what level you start it. It doesn't work. And if we loved our children, we would throw out every shred of evolution from our discussion, period. We wouldn't even mention it. But I'm not... I'm not uh, for censorship, so okay, if you want to mention it, if you want to say, hey, there was once a guy named Charles Darwin, and he actually thought that that uh, monkeys became men. That's what he thought, and he later recanted that and said, God, what an idiot I was. Definitely, there is a Lord Jesus Christ, and he created everything, but they never talk about that part, do they? I'll tell you a quick story. A bunch of scientists got together one time, and they said, you know, we are so smart, we are even greater than God himself. They said, uh, so uh, let's, uh, let's challenge God to a contest just to prove to him that we can do anything that he can do. And God agreed. said, okay, get on with it, boys. Let's, let's uh, see, see what you can do. And so the scientists said, well, it's easy. First we get some dirt. And God said, whoa, 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 no, no. I created that dirt. You can't use dirt. Create your own dirt. Well, that was the end of the contest because, of course, they couldn't create dirt. Because scientists are so stupid, they know that we have atoms, but they don't know what atoms are made of. I don't know what an atom is made of. Nobody does, except for the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows. And some people are probably confused. Wait a minute, you're talking about God, now you're talking about His Son, Jesus? Well, they're one and the same. Hear, O Israel, hear, O Texas, the Lord our God is one Lord, and Moses is His prophet. It's just that simple. God is invisible. He is omnipresent, and He is omniscient, and He is omnipotent. He is everywhere. He sees everything. He knows everything. He has all power. God created the universe. If you want to go with the Big Bang Theory, it was that simple. God spoke it, and bang, there it was. There is no way you can look at, as NASA has told us, the over one billion galaxies the size of our own Milky Way and see how perfectly they swirl, like looking down into a milkshake cup, which I could like right now, how perfectly they swirl and move and dance to a cosmic symphony created by the Lord God himself. The Lord God, the invisible God, created a visible manifestation, born of a virgin, And he sent the angel, and the angel came down and said, You shall call his name Yeshua. That's translated into English is Jesus. And so the child was born. The visible manifestation, the incarnate God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ chose to lay down his life to pay for our sins, having lived a perfect and sinless life of his own, because if he'd have sinned even one time, his sacrifice would have been of no value. It would have been the sacrifice for his own sins. The Lord Jesus Christ allowed himself to be taken by other men of evil intent and hung on a cross and shed his blood on Golgotha 
for you and for me. One sacrifice, once and for all. Perfect, sinless blood. And blood, for for you scientists out there, you all know the blood of the baby is always created from the father's genes. The blood is always the genes of the father, the father's blood. So it was in Jesus Christ, born of a Virgin Mary, making him half human. But the blood, the precious blood, was the blood of God. And that's why it was able to pay for our sins. Now, after he left this earth, he said, Tarry ye in Jerusalem until ye receive power. Because the spirit of the departed one, we just got past Halloween, a ghost, if you will, came back and filled them, infused them with power, the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues. And everyone heard it as God was glorified in every language that was currently in Jerusalem at that time. And thousands were saved that day. So there it is. The invisible God in creation. The Son of God incarnate. Replaced on this earth by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Departed One. There is one God. His name is Yeshua. And he exists in the hearts of men today in the form of the Holy Ghost. And if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, I would encourage you to go to Acts 2.37 and start right there. The first sermon ever preached in the Christian church by the Apostle Peter. The very first sermon ever preached. You'd think more churches would talk about it, wouldn't you? Yes, the very first sermon ever preached in the Christian church by the Apostle Peter, recorded in the book of Acts. And start right there in Acts 2.37 where a bunch of unsaved people from every race, every nation, every tongue asked the question, what must we do then to be saved? And the the Apostle Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. You see, you can repent, but the sin is not remitted until the blood is applied. Just like we want cancer to go into remission, we want sin to go into remission so that it no longer causes death in men because the wages of sin is death. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this is to you and to your children and to all that are afar off, as many as our Lord God shall call. You guys could check me on that. I think that was fairly accurate. So uh, there's no question there was a God. There's no question that God created the universe. There's no question of who God is. Allah is not God. He is the moon God, a.k.a. Lucifer. One of the three archangels that we know of in heaven, the most powerful class of angels. So we know there's a God. We know that he created heaven and earth. We know that he created you, you beautiful creature. Yeah, even you, Greg. That's right. We know all of this happened. We know that God then created all of the animals, and he brought each of them to Adam and asked Adam, what will you name these? Because he wanted to see what Adam would name these animals. From the beginning, there have been fish in the sea. Indeed, the fish were created first, and then the land-based animals were created. All of them were created individually. There has always been fish. There have always been worms. There have always been 
monkeys. There's there's always been horses. Dogs and cats are different. They did not evolve and stop at some point and say, that's it. This is as good as I want to be. I'm a cat. Therefore, I am the king of the universe. No. It didn't work like that. It did not work like that. God created everything. And it's blowing my mind that at this point in our life, we're still having this argument because a bunch of godless liberals who were taught that they evolved from a monkey, that their brain has no more value than a watermelon. Well, indeed, maybe for these guys it doesn't. (laughs) I mean, seriously, this is what we are teaching them. And so they're coming out of these godless institutions that are totally filled with communist godless bastards, and they're being taught that we evolved from men. Well, let me ask you this question, Mr. Evolutionist. Show me where this happened. Show me the missing link between monkeys and men. How many times have you heard that? There is no missing link. There's always been monkeys. There has always been men. Every dinosaur was created by God. Every dinosaur was created by God. Dinosaurs, the original dinosaurs were created early, early on. Now, why did they go away? Well, because after the flood, the entire world changed. We went from a highly oxygen-charged atmosphere, because if you look at the size of the nostril of a dinosaur in relation to his size, There's no way he could have gotten enough oxygen in there to support his body. And they have done core samples in the Arctic where they determined that back, you know, 10,000 years ago, there was much more oxygen in the air than there is today. There is no such thing as evolution, period. The, The dinosaurs died. The woolly mammoths walked the face of the earth. We still have elephants today. Yes, there, there are creatures that disappear from the earth. But there are no new species that are being created now or evolving now ever. And if you look at the evidence that Darwin used to come up with this amazing theory, you say, my God, what was that guy smoking? So here we are. We're having this incredible discussion now whether or not we're going to continue to create to, to teach creation in our schools or if we're going to teach our children a flawed, a flawed logic called evolution. My God, there, there's animals out there today that teach you that there's no way, because let's face it, how could an animal evolve? Was there some amoeba out there, and he talked to the other amoeba, and he said, okay, Bob, amoeba Bob, I need you to keep notes, because we're going to do a series of experiments, and we're going to find out we're going to find out um, how to do this. So, so Bob, we got Larry over here, the amoeba, and Larry the amoeba is going to try to become a monkey today, and we need you to keep notes on that of what went wrong so we can hand it off to the next amoeba. You think that happened? Probably not. Probably not. It's mind-blowing, is it not? I think it is. So anyway, I wanted to uh, cover that for you today. Um, We hope that the State Board of Education will continue to acknowledge the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of all things, in our textbooks. Because while I personally think that the public education system should be ripped out by the roots, 
and absolutely done away with. I think we should quit taxing people for education. I think we should tell everybody, those are your kids. Those are your kids. That's it. I mean, Ellis uh, happens to be a Straussian. This worries me a little bit because, let's face it, Joe Strauss is a rhino gino tino Joe Strauss is a godless individual driven by gambling money out of Las Vegas and Atlantic City, and his primary job is to bring full gaming to Texas. Now, if you like gambling, uh, I don't, but if you do, Joe Strauss is your guy, the Speaker of the Texas House. And he really liked Mr. Ellis. I suspect that Mr. Ellis uh, may have an issue. On the other hand, I don't know, being Mr. Ellis is a uh, chiropractor, he may have an honest God view. Mary Lou Bruner, the one I was supporting out of Miniola, Miniola, came under fire because, well, let's face it, she told the truth. She said that Barack Obama used to work as a gay prostitute. Well, he did. There's no getting around that. That's a fact. So you point out the facts, and you're automatically disqualified, like poor, poor little uh, Scarlett Fakar, who's probably going to get fired down there at Fox 26 because she dared to tell the truth. In any case, uh, we're up for some changes. It's going to be interesting and amusing to see where this goes, guys. And uh, I, I personally am very excited about it. Let's see here. I know that uh, i got to play a little bit of music, and then we're going to try to get some people on the show. So we got a lot going on today. Going to try to get Larry Kyleberg on here later today. Talk about the future of gun rights in America, because now we actually do have a future. And then my buddy uh, out of San Antonio, Raul, said, uh, well, we're all still wanting Texas to leave. The, are we all still wanting Texas to leave the United States of America, or do we give the Trumpster a chance? And the answer to that question is simply this, Raul. Yes, Donald Trump is our president-elect. Yes, he is mourning in America again. Period. That said, Texas Independence Now. Get to work on it. Join the Texas Nationalist Movement. Join FreedomTexas.org. Volunteer to become an officer for the Republic of Texas. Any one of those three groups. That's what we want to see. Yes, Donald Trump is elected president, and God willing, uh, that godless uh, former uh, homosexual prostitute, uh, drug user, uh, cocaine user, Barack Obama, uh, God willing, uh, he won't start a war in the next 90 days. I have prayed about that, and I hope you have too. But uh, we live in a precarious world, my friends. Anything could happen, and indeed anything may happen. So... We, we don't know. We, we just have to wait and see on that. And uh, while I'm talking to you here, I'm looking, uh, getting uh, get some music pulled up here. I know I've got it. Oh, yeah, there we are. For my buddy Cutler Brogdon, a real Choctaw Indian. Out there in deep east Texas behind the Pine Curtain, your favorite. Going to be right back on the Doc Green Show.
on the Doc Green Show. And Facebook's trying to whack me also, and uh, that would be my wife. So I'll have to call her back here in a little bit. But on the Newsmaker line, I have none other than our good friend, the author of that fabulous book, We Defy, Tommy Attaway. What's going on today, Tommy? Well, just kind of assessing the uh, election implications and results, and uh, with Freedom Texas, we're kind of seeing where it's going to go from here. Well, first of all, uh, let's let folks know uh, you you actually uh, worked for the Libertarians for a period of time. Tell everybody about that. we got a lot of new listeners. Okay, I'm on the State Executive Committee of the Libertarian Party of Texas, and uh, of course, as most people are, are probably aware, uh, we've got various strands of libertarians, and I'm with the very constitutional-oriented libertarian strand that sees the there is a legitimate purpose for government, which is to defend the country and protect the lives, property, and rights of the citizens. Well, indeed. And also, you worked for another very famous presidential candidate at one point in time. Yeah, I was on the staff of uh, Ross Perot's 1992 campaign. And so I think that gives me a little bit of perspective on the campaigns in general, and particularly the implications of Trump's campaign, how he ran it, and where things are likely to go from here. Well, that's why I wanted to get you on, Tommy, because you are actually a man of achievement, and you know a lot about what goes on in politics. And having having run a very powerful third-party run, uh, I mean, nobody expected the result that came out of that. You know something about campaigns. So where do you want to start eating this elephant? Okay, um, let's have a look at some similarities, I think, that we're going to see between uh, the pro effort and what we're going to get with President-elect Trump. Um, What we've got is someone who has appealed to a large number of voters and members of the public that traditionally have not been that engaged in politics. Indeed. Carry on. Okay. So the implications of that are we're going to continue to see a fight for control of the Republican Party because Trump was successful in going through the path of utilizing a one of the existing major parties to get uh, himself into office. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's going to be really interesting now because... I believe that Donald Trump changed everything. I mean, Donald Trump, he was running against effectively, I guess, five uh, uh, opponents. He had the uh, Democrats running against him. He had the Libertarians running against him. He had the uh, uh, Green Party running against him. And he had uh, the Republican establishment running against him. Yeah, so he was able to defeat all of those groups because their ability to... uh, uh, try and stop him was somewhat limited in that he's not playing their game. He, he didn't play their game, and he, and he played as strong as he won. And for the record, I have been a steadfast Trump believer since day one. I recall, uh, for those of you that remember when I was on Tommy's Garage TV show, I was the only one that believed Donald Trump could actually win this thing. And I kept telling him, I said, and this is even before he got in the race, I said, look, if Donald Trump gets in this race, he wins it. That's simple. And then I remember when, uh, you know, uh, Jeb Bush was spending 10 to 1 the money that he was spending. I said, I'm telling you, Donald Trump is going to win this thing. And then I had all the cruisers I had to contend with. 
But I honestly believe Donald Trump had what it what it took to win this thing. He was that different. Uh, now, what were your thoughts on this uh, early early on, Tommy Attaway? Here's a, a similarity between the 1992 effort with Perot and what we've seen with uh, the Trump success. First of all, neither of them used the campaign approach of a traditional political party where you leverage off the party's brand name, the party's identity, the party's infrastructure, the idea that you need this huge organization in order to uh, communicate with your potential voters, reach the public, and then manage the effort. Both were directed by a candidate with a very forceful personality who was able to get enough uh, television time that he could communicate directly to the people he was trying to reach with his message. And so what that did is it went around all of the traditional party infrastructure and filters on the message of your campaign. And that's, that's exactly how he worked it. I've seen him on Fox News countless times, usually just by phone, but they were later letting him on there because they all knew at Fox News there's no possible way this guy could win the election, so they thought it would be a little comic uh, relief to have him come on the show from time to time. Uh, is, that, is that how you've seen it, or, uh, or was that, did I miss that one? Uh, that, that's a big part of it, and so part of the way media operations operate is that, yeah, you've got your object of scorn and ridicule that you trot out there in order to entertain your audience, and the fact that none of them really took him seriously, you know, played very much to what he was doing, and it, it also is an indication to which even Fox really doesn't understand who its audience is. <laughs> to say the least, I can, I can tell you... Uh, uh... They've got at least one news reporter on there that really didn't understand who her audience was, and I think her days at Fox are numbered. So, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. It, it really looks like she's trying to position herself to move over to the communist news network or one of the other mainstream outlets. Well, I, you know, at, at least she's not too hard on the eyes, and that would help them over there at, uh, at uh, Clinton News Network and Incorporated because, let's face it, some of the women over there are... are uh, I don't know. They're on the edge. But anyway, I'm not going to talk about women here. That's not what I came here to do today. Um, so what do you think happens next? What do you foresee? There's definitely going to be a power struggle. And uh, one of the things that has to happen is he's got to start naming his cabinet. And uh, the the uh, Texas Senate, excuse me, the Texas Senate, the U.S. Senate, uh, the, Mitch the Turtle McConnell, I guess, has final say on that. Yeah, so what we're going to have now is we're going to have a struggle for Trump's attention and influence with Trump. And one of the things that concerns me about this right now is having Chris Christie managing transition kind of tells you that uh, there's going to be some disappointment, I think, on the part of many Trump supporters when things actually start to happen. Because one of the things that happened with both Perot and I all suggest to you to a great deal also with the Trump candidacy is that many of the supporters project their own beliefs and positions onto the candidate because when it gets down to it, you know, it's all about uh, we're trying to shake up the system 
and the idea that Trump has a very detailed blueprint on what he's going to accomplish and do in office doesn't exist yet, so there's a whole lot of white space that remains to be colored in, and when that gets colored in, that's where we're going to see a lot of the food fights. Well, I think you're right. Now, I honestly have to say, I've never believed that Donald Trump was a conservative. I don't see that he is a conservative. Uh, the reason why I like Donald Trump is because I believe that the Republican establishment has become the enemy of America, just the same as the Democrats, and I wanted to break that. Uh, here's what I do expect out of Donald Trump, though. I expect that he will uh, stop illegal immigration, or at least control it down to a tolerable degree. Uh, I expect that. Uh, I expect that he will support uh, preventing any more erosion uh, to our rights to keep and bear arms, our God-given right to keep and bear arms, as recognized by the Second Amendment. I expect that if there is ever an opportunity to finally stop the baby killing in America, I suspect that Donald Trump will sign that legislation. Um, am I wrong on any of those things in your view, Tommy Attaway? I think he's certainly going to make every effort to secure controlled access into the United States, and you know, both in terms of people, goods, and you know, anything else. I think what we will find is that this is an extremely hard thing to do in reality. So we're going to see how much energy, effort, and resources he's going to devote to it. And one of the things that is going to be a challenge for him, I believe, is that being at the top of the pile, you're going to have a lot of constituencies a lot of competing for his attention and resource allocation. And so we're going to find out where his priorities really are in terms of the things that he, he spends his time on and supports. And, you know, one of the things that is at least a hope for us is that there's a possibility that a government program or department might actually get eliminated. <laughs> well, look, it remains to be seen. He's still got to deal with the Republicans in Congress, and there's no question that when it comes to doing nothing of substance, uh, the Republicans are just the best. I mean, they can take up more time and spend more money and achieve absolutely nothing than even Democrats. But um, I, I still expect to see major movement on that. And then there are the tax cuts. There's no question that our taxes are too high. Donald Trump has pledged that he's going to cut our taxes in half. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Tommy Attaway? I think what we'll find is the constituency for all of these government programs and, and spending money that the government doesn't have actually comes from Congress. Uh, we, we certainly had an aider, enabler, enabler and uh, you know, in Obama, because you know he's a willing participant in that. Uh, I think you know we're certainly going to get less of that with with President Trump, uh, but it's going to be Congress that are the ones that are going to be spending money willy nilly and keeping all of these programs, agencies, and such uh, in existence. And, and that was ultimately the the problem that Ronald Reagan had in his presidency is that he found out that he really couldn't cut anything because. Congress kept all that stuff alive. Well, that was the truth, and uh, they they seem to have an appetite for spending, but then on the other hand, 
we have a president that is getting ready, hopefully by the grace of God, to actually leave the White House. On his watch in eight years, he has spent more money than every president before him since George Washington. And that it, that's an incredible figure to me. Your thoughts? It is. And, you know, one of the things on the election night coverage at Fox News that they didn't want to go too far into that, but it was important. They had David Stockman on, who's Reagan's uh, office and management and budget director. Yeah. And he made the point that when Reagan arrived in Washington, okay, the debt was at about $1 trillion. Mm-hmm. We're now looking at $20 trillion. Yeah, and the problem is, is that the the beast is so big. Is there any way to really make a a dent in it? And you know, this is going to to be Trump's r- biggest challenge, because we have our interest rates artificially low. As soon as they return to anything like normal, uh, it's going to explode the budget deficit again. And, you know, the economy is going to have to to grow at a tremendous pace in order to generate uh, enough revenue in order to even try and and keep the federal budget on an even keel. There have to be massive cuts in government programs. And the people are unwilling to vote for congressmen who will do that. And that's the other thing about this election. Okay, the same cast of characters in Congress has been returned. If we look at the state elections in Texas, it's even worse in that we had a slight shift going a little bit more Democrat. And so, you know, the idea that the one guy has been elected who's going to fix and save everything is still strong with our voting public. Yeah, it's, uh, I couldn't believe it because, you know, I... Here on the radio show, of course, I get a lot of pretty solid conservatives that listen to the show, and you know, and they're making all these comments. I'm thinking, surely, you know, we're going to get rid of John Culberson, we're going to get rid of Ted Poe, we're going to get rid of Kevin Brady, we're going to put some real conservatives in there, and they go back with like a hundred percent support. I mean, it's like nobody voted against them. I don't, I don't even understand it. Well, here, here's a perfect example down in the Houston area. Okay, State District 127. Yes. So you have drunken Dan Huberty. Okay, everybody knows that the guy's a, a drunk. Everybody knows, okay, that at best he's drunk. a rhino. Okay, you know it, he he wins his primary election. We have a top-notch libertarian candidate opposing him in the general election, and Huberty still gets eighty percent of the vote. Unbelievable. Uh, I hope that meant that Scott Ford got at least twenty, or at least nineteen. Uh, no. There, there was a, actually, I think, a, a Green Party candidate that actually got some of the third-party vote as well. Oh, and man. so, you know, Scott, you know, and he's, you know, we've got a credible candidate, you know, running a, a real campaign, and you know, still uh, on the Libertarian side, we didn't get that much traction. And you know, that's an item of concern to me because it means that people are locked into their identity as voters rather than looking at candidates and making a real evaluation as to which candidate is the best suited for office. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see what's going forward. Now, uh, I believe the Libertarians got enough of, of uh, vote percentage to ensure ballot access on the next election. 
Yeah, Mark Miller, our railroad commissioner for Canada, here's another great example. Yeah, great, okay. really qualified guy, really qualified you know, guy. Uh, you know, objectively the most qualified candidate for the office, bar none, he gets the endorsement of every major newspaper in Texas to the extent that really matters anymore, okay? <laughs> Does anybody the read guy, the newspaper? <laughs> yeah, you know, they're all going bankrupt for a reason. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, here again, you know, we've got a, a qualified candidate, you know, trying to run a serious campaign, you know, not somebody who's going to go up on the, the stage and, and hire strippers and, you know, do all of the, <laughs> the crazy stuff that's associated with many libertarian candidates. And yet he barely gets over 5% of the vote. Uh, so, you know, this tells us two things, that, okay, Claver is generally accurate in his assessment that if you really want to get into office, you know, there's only two paths there. Uh, realistically, and it also tells us that, okay, what is going to be the future of the Republican Party vis-a-vis -vis the Libertarian Party, because what I argue is one of the reasons why the Democrats are such leftists is that they know that they've got the Green Party and the Socialist Party over there, even to the left of them, and if they don't trend left, their supporters are going to peel off and vote for those small parties whereas the conservative voters are going to stick with Republicans no matter what. Indeed. Well, I don't know what it's going to take to change. Uh, I respect you. I mean, you're doing a lot of work in the Libertarian Party. Tom Glass is doing a lot of work in the Libertarian Party. Uh, I really was hoping that uh, Kathy Glass at least would win her run for uh, position three on the Texas Supreme Court, and it, I have not yet seen the final results on that, so I don't know how it came out. Do you know? She got about three and a half percent, and you know one of the things here is okay. We've now got to look at, at what's the role of the Libertarian Party, and in one sense, okay, it may be its job is to keep the Republicans being real conservatives. And again, this is the <laughs> other message. You know, of the, the Trump campaign is that if we look at his route to success, okay, and especially in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, you know, those states that tend and historically in, in the past election cycles have gone Democratic, he appealed to one of the Democratic constituencies and got them to switch over to the Republican side because, okay, he ran the campaign that every Republican candidate has to make a decision. Am I going to represent the middle class working people of the United States, or do I represent the large corporations and their cronies who finance elections, campaigns, and government lobbyists? Trump went the alternate route of appealing to the middle class voter, whereas if we look at George W. Bush, okay, he went the corporate route, and on the corporate route, you run rhinos because the idea is, well, we're trying to appeal to certain Democratic constituencies, and Trump appealed to the other half of the Democratic Party. And you notice which one's easier to peel off and get to vote for you. <laughs> well, I do. So I guess based on the information that you've given, given me, I, I guess uh, libertarians in Texas uh, amount to right now about 3 to 4% of Texas. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, that, that's it. And, of course, what really concerned me in this go-around is, okay, Hillary got over 40% of the vote in Texas. She got about 42 43%. 
and that's a disturbing trend because normally uh, in the past 20 years, no Democrats gotten over 40 percent. Well, that should concern you. I think we we can credit a lot of that, though, to the illegal alien vote. And I had a couple or three that came to my polling place to vote. And, of course, uh, and I don't know what they expected to get, but, you know, I, I just uh, questioned them, and uh, they they finally admitted, well, no, I'm not registered to vote. I, I you know, And I said, well, if you're not registered to vote, I really, I really can't let you vote here. And uh, they just walked away. But I just wonder if they went other places and they were allowed to vote. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, and, and I think this is part of what we've seen with the WikiLeaks emails and, and things that have come out. That obviously part of the Democratic Party strategy is to change the composition of the voting public inside the United States in order to ensure that their candidates get elected, and you know, that's what we see in their turn, Texas Purple routine, which is that, okay, we bring in more immigrants who have no real affinity for the United States or its cultural norms, and, you know, just like uh, power politics plays in, in, in most places, it, it's all about, uh, you know, your group getting your stuff, using the government as a mechanism to steal it from everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, well, taxation is theft. I, I still kind of agree with that. Look, we got to run the government with something. we got to have some kind of money if we're going to run the government. But at the same time, uh, we, we understand the government creates nothing, and nothing can happen in the government unless they steal that money from somebody else. It's just the way that it has to be. And that's, of course, the way Obamacare was set up, it, it, the, the, quote, Affordable Care Act, unquote. Um, that's the way it was set up. Uh, we, we take from those that go out and work hard and earn the money, and we give it to those who have no intentions of working harder or, or earning anything. Um, did I mischaracterize that? Uh, that's you know, the way it's designed to work, and, and this is why tax policy is ex a vital public concern. And so, you know, what the libertarian in me says, okay, the way that we finance government is through sales taxes or consumption taxes, through uh, tariffs, and because the, the problem with income taxes or property taxes is that they invert the things that we want to have happen for a prosperous and successful society. You know, we don't want to tax people or penalize them for making money. We want to encourage them to make more money. All right. Yeah, I, we want I, you to, to own things. You know, that's capital. That that's what is used in order to create more jobs. So we don't want to tax that capital. Not at all. In fact, uh, I have uh, jokingly said in the past, and maybe I'm I'm less joking about it now. I think maybe when you get to where you make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, you should pay no taxes. Oh well, you know the way that I explain it so that even a liberal can understand it is okay. You have a guy who buys a Toyota Prius, and you have a guy who buys a Mercedes. Under my plan, the guy that buys the Mercedes pays twice as much tax as the guy that buys the Prius. What do you object to about that? Yeah, yeah there's nothing to object about, to about that, as, assuming they both pay the same percentage of tax. Yeah, and, you know, if it's a 10% transaction tax you know, or, or sales tax, then, hey, you know, you, the car that costs twice as much, you're going to pay twice as much tax. Indeed. So there you go. What's what's wrong with that? Is that not the fair tax? And, indeed, that is a fair tax, and that's what I want to see. 
I want to see absolute fairness across the board, and I want to see us go to an absolute sales tax, uh, 8% on everything. The reason I don't want to go higher than 8% is God himself only asked for 10%, and I think the government needs to learn how to live within its means the same as we do. And uh, so you do 8%, and I don't care if it's a gallon of milk or a gallon of whiskey or a gallon of gas, 8%. So... Uh, We'll, yeah, we'll you know, and that's one of the like things where, where we need to to work out the math. And you know, obviously, I, I tie this in with the whole Texas independence movement. You know, that if we look at the entire economy and say, okay, uh, you know, the current sales tax is six percent statewide, and of course, certain items are exempted. If we remove the exemptions, you know, at, at what rate do we really need? in order to to stay where we are and then look at, okay, what should the government be doing and how much is that going to cost and see what that does for that sales tax rate. And, you know, realistically, I think it may end up as high as 10. But, you know, once you get over 10%, like you, I have some very strong moral objections to that. Yeah, well, I, I do too. And I, I think that, uh, look, you work that out, you figure out what it's going to be, and after you've done that, then it is simply a matter of uh, the government saying, okay, well, uh, this is what we got coming in, guys. This is what we can spend. Let's create a budget. That's it. You know, it needs to be brought back into reality of the, all right, you know, here's a reasonable revenue projection, and that means these are the things that we can do. And then you look at, okay, there's either money left over, in, in which case you've got to say, okay, uh, tax rate's probably too high, or... Uh, we're going to take that money and save it for a rainy day, or, you know, we're going to strategically invest in some future infrastructure in order to make future growth easier and less costly for future generations. And, you know, it, it certainly changes the game once you start getting governments out of the business of issuing billions of dollars of bonds, okay, uh, taking on debt that's never going to be repaid and everybody just laughing all the way around. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, voters allow that because of the assumption that, well, somebody else is going to pay it. <laughs> uh, we're back to that. Uh, don't tax you. Don't tax me. Tax that fellow behind the tree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's one of the things uh, that is, the importance that ultimately ties back to education is that if our youth aren't really educated in our philosophy of government, our culture, and being responsible citizens, you know, as voters and as individuals, they're going to, to make choices that are not good for them later in life. Well, we just hope that now time is for change. So let me ask you this, uh, Tommy Attaway. I mean, you, you've kind of given me some feel uh, of where you think uh, this is going to be or where it's going, but uh, let me ask you this. Um, are you optimistic at this point about the future of the United States? Uh, I think President Trump, at best, has bought us another couple of years before things really go bad. Then you would be like me. Uh, with the understanding that now is the time, today is the day when we get to work in earnest on getting Texas independent. Yeah, and I think what is going to happen over the next six months, we're, we're going to get the feel-good phase on the part of the electorate. 
then some degree of reality will start to sink back in when after the inauguration and Trump tries to, to modify the current budget in order to meet his priorities and runs into all kinds of opposition in Congress that uh, people will realize that, you know, at best, you know, we've averted a worse disaster for some short period of time. And so my advice and certainly what we're looking at in Freedom Texas is that right, we're going to take the, the next six months to try and put in the groundwork we think we really are going to need in order to make the future independence movement more viable, more effective, and hopefully get us there uh, by the time the U.S. really starts to go bad. And that, that's a theme that I'm playing with in my next literary effort. Well, indeed, and speaking of that, let's talk about it. We Defy, a fabulous book. I totally enjoyed it. It's a great read. And anyone listening out there, you can get your copy of We Defy right now. You can get it on Amazon.com. And, and uh, a special deal for your listeners on Thanksgiving Day, the Kindle edition will be free. Hey, so, hey, Thanksgiving's rapidly approaching, so you'll have a chance, if you haven't already bought it, to get it for free. I encourage you to get the hard copy, though, because I just like holding a book. And uh, definitely want to get that. And the, and the, when is the uh, uh, Audible book coming out on that? How's that looking? Uh, it's kind of run into a, a block with uh, the Amazon guys because they look at the Amazon sales figures, where, which aren't that high because most people buy it either direct from me or the publisher. And so the, the Amazon rankings are to, aren't as high as they would like to invest in the project. Uh, so we'll, we'll see about Audible. Right now it, it's um, sound-enabled, so if you get the Kindle version, most of the, the automated readers will actually read the Kindle version, so you, you can hear it uh, being read to you by whatever audio program you've already got. Well, I mean, that's pretty good. It ain't James Earl Jones, but, you know, it'll still be pretty good, so there you have it on that. Uh, but that being said, I encourage everyone who's listening to the show today to go to Amazon.com right now and get yourself a copy of We Defy. Just buy the book, guys. It's cheap enough. Buy that book. Have a copy. And, uh, you know, if you get it hard copy and you know me and you come to one of my events, chances are Tommy Attaway will be there and he will sign it. So uh, even better, right? Absolutely. So uh, that being said, we're going to go to break. We're going to be right back on the Amazing Doc Green Show. Thank you, Tommy Attaway. Appreciate it. Certainly. Going to be right back, guys, and uh, let's see if I can get this to work. You know, it's always more fun if you can get all your all your other stuff to work, and uh, unfortunately today I'm doing this without the help of uh, producer Frank, who normally makes a lot of stuff happen for me. Well, we're doing that, and of course, uh, you're also listening to this on, a, on American Voice Radio Network, AVRN. Load that up on the TuneIn Radio app, or... Uh, Get the Raging Elephants radio app on your smartphone. You can listen there. We've got lots of ways you can get the show, guys. Facebook, of course, Facebook just whacked me. They uh, they said, Dad, you shouldn't have played that Foghat song. We're cutting you off. I guess if you don't have a good excuse, any excuse will do. Going to be right back. Amazing Doc Green Show. RagingElephantsRadio.com. On day two of Donald Trump's historic victory.
Texas Specialties is in a little town of 1000, Three Rivers, Texas. Texas Specialties is a small family business in a town where treating people right is a way of life. The Stubbs Family's Texas Specialties. Started out doing high-quality T-shirts for Texas music scene bands at affordable prices. Everything, the design, the artwork, the printing, accepting minimum orders, even selling T-shirts for the bands online. And now they bring that experience to you anywhere in Texas. Texas Specialties can do the same for any small business, for teachers, for schools, dance classes, athletic teams, clubs, and anyone needing good quality screen printing at an affordable price. The Stubbs family loves to work with ideas and the people who have them. Your experience with Texas Specialties will be excellent. Anything less just will not do. Call 361-784-2052. 361-784-2052. Click Texas Specialties. Add on RagingElephantsRadio.com. Hello, I'm Gary Wilcox with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurants. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and you're back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with Pep Floors, and he came out and measured. The measurement process went very easily, and when it came installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great, the service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. There's no special care. It's really nice. Actually, have a mobile showroom so I can come out to your home or office at a time that's convenient for you and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this it's not like I've done this one or two times but I've done it many many times so give me a phone call and I'm happy to come out there I do estimates for you right there on the spot and it's all free of charge that floor of Houston Floor.com. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at the damngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the Patriots you know. Do it now. 
Laramore Media Group is committed to helping conservative candidates run for and win elected office. Running for office requires more than just desire. It requires expertise. Crystal Laramore is that person. She has helped many candidates make it past the finish line. Congressman Dr. Brian Babin says, I would highly recommend their services to anyone in politics or business who wants to have a professional edge in a competitive world. Call 281-332-5710 or email news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Automobile aficionado, Apostle Claver here. Let me introduce you to my mechanic, an ASC-certified mechanic, Andre at America's Repair in Houston. Now, you guys know I'm a former, fully-sponsored race car driver, and I own a high-performance auto. You bet I'm particular about who even touches my car. I go to America's Repair to get all my auto work done, and you should, too. Andre has served Spring Branch and all of Houston for over 20 years. America's Repair will match or beat any competitor's price. All repairs come with a one-year, 12,000-mile warranty. America's Repair is a complete car care and repair center. State inspection, muffler and exhaust work, wheel alignment, brake work, tune-ups, engine transmission work, auto body and paint, great deals on oil change and AC checkup. America's Repair accepts all extended warranties. 2005 North Gessner, one mile north of Memorial City Mall in the Katy. Wednesday is Senior Citizen Discount. Thursday, Active Military Discount. Call 713-467-2001. 713-467-2001. AmericasRepair.com. Or click the ad on RagingElephantsRadio.com. Texas news and information. Oh, yeah, we're doing it right here at RagingElephantsRadio.com. We are jamming it. Hello, Brenda Vaughn. Good to see you in there today. Cutler. Glad to have all of you here on the show today. Once again, it is morning in America again. I never thought I'd ever be able to utter that phrase. And then Donald Trump said, you know what? I'm going to run for president. And I said, Donald Trump, if he runs for president, he's going to win this thing. He's going to tear it up. Well, my friends, that is indeed exactly what happened. Donald Trump did win this thing. And now we are in for it. It's going to be a hell of a ride. There's no question in my mind that Donald Trump is going to build that wall. He is going to do it. It's going to happen. There's no way to prevent it from happening. And so I'm very excited about that. I'm very excited about it. And we are going to make this thing happen. It's going to be a brave new world in America as we continue to see what is going on out there. Uh, My good friend Raymond Herrera said today, we the people this day have elected our first American created president in many decades. President Donald J. Trump will uphold our American Constitution. He will enforce the rule of law, which means the enforcement of immigration laws, the deportation of all illegal aliens that currently stand on American soil, many of whom have killed Americans simply because they were in the way or they didn't have anything else to do, displaced Americans in the work sector that burden our schools, that burden our welfare system, that burden our health care system, 
congratulations, President Trump, and congratulations, America, and especially congratulations to we, the people. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Raymond Herrera. That was great. I was actually hoping to get him to call in on the show today, but that hasn't worked out for me thus far. But it is morning in America again. We've got incredible things happening everywhere we look. Uh, I'm expecting a huge, huge increase in uh, business. Uh, Looking at the map of the United States, colored in red, in pink, and blue, you can see that there are virtually no Democrat establishments left. Only the major, major cities, like here in Texas, there are three little dots of blue. Solid blue in San Antonio, light blue in Houston, and uh, light blue and pink in Dallas. That's it. That's all. Everything else is solid red. The Republicans own Texas. So somebody asked on my show yesterday, what excuse will they now you use? I mean, what excuse will they have for, uh, for what's going on here? Well, I don't know. So we're going to see what's happening, but uh, Donald Trump could have beaten uh, Barack Obama before, but it was absolutely time now. We had enough Republican voters that went out there that uh, they were able to overcome all of the voter fraud. And I guarantee you, Hillary right now, she's, she's walking around her hotel room, or maybe she's back home now, probably around her hotel room, throwing, throwing stuff and screaming at people, because that's who she is. And what little strength she's able to muster, that's how she's going to spend it, is on the abuse of other people. The other thing, as I had been telling you here, and for those of you that listen to the Doc Green Show on a regular basis, you know you're going to get the unvarnished truth here on the Amazing Doc Green Show. And uh, it just doesn't get any better. But the pollsters are now, of course, embarrassed. They're wringing their hands and shaking their heads because they thought that they could push the big lie that Hillary Clinton was going to win this election, and they thought they were going to get away with it. They did. They thought they were going to get away with it. They didn't get away with it, though. They did not get away with it. But they thought they did. Uh, my, uh, my, my good friend Rush Limbaugh actually doesn't know who I am, but he's a good friend as far as I'm concerned. Rush Limbaugh came out and said, look, I was wrong. He said, they've weaponized these polls. There is no accuracy. There's no intent for accuracy. The intent is to lie to you, the American public. And that is indeed what they've been doing. It's, uh, it's unconscionable, actually what they've been doing. So the pollsters today are just terrifically embarrassed. Uh, Donald Trump is the nominee. You need to pray for his safety. We pray that he is going to make it. But uh, it could indeed put the polling industry out of business, said Jake Tapper, uh, one of the liars on CNN. He said, uh, it's going to put the voter projection industry completely out of business. Well, that's it, because they bet all of their... They, they put all of their chits on one, uh, on one candidate. They said, okay, boys, we're all in. We're all in for Hillary. We've got to get Hillary elected no matter what. We've got to get Hillary elected. Otherwise, the gravy train is going to come to a stop for those of us on the left. And so they put it all in there. They said, yes, we're going to win this thing for Hillary. We are going to lie. We are going to obfuscate. We are going to push Hillary. We are going to do our best to convince Trump voters that uh, they just might as well go home and Donald Trump just might as well quit because, after all, who would vote for this clown? 
And so that's what they did. So going into Election Day, a strong majority of the pollsters, election modelers, forecasted Hillary Clinton would just coast to victory, many predicting that she would sweep all 50 states and win north, way north of 300 electoral votes. But the final University of Virginia Center for Public Politics model had Clinton winning 322 electoral votes and only 216 for Trump. And they they showed that Clinton would win easily in Florida, easily in North Carolina, easily in Pennsylvania, and easily in Wisconsin, all states that she lost. Well, of course, Wisconsin, what they didn't count on was Ray Myers and the Kaufman County Tea Party. What they didn't count on was Mike and Susan, the incredible phone banking team that made probably close to 10,000 phone calls in a week up there. They didn't count on the mighty Texas strike force. They didn't count on... The yours truly, Doc Green, walking up to a door and knocking on it, even though it had a, a Hillary sign on it, and saying, Hi, I'm Doc Green. I came all the way from Texas to ask you to vote for Donald Trump. No, they didn't count on that. So that's why Wisconsin went red. And I got a call uh, yesterday morning from Winnebago County. That's where we were, up there in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I got a call from Winnebago County. And what they said at Winnebago County was this is the first time Winnebago County has voted Republican since 1980. Since 1980. Good heavens, 80, 90, uh, 100. It's been almost 40 years since that county went Republican. So what is the difference? Well, the difference is simply this. The Texans showed up in Wisconsin. The Wisconsin Republicans were glad to have us. They helped us. They gave us a, a list of where they thought their voters were, that we'd go out and knock on those doors and encourage them to get out and vote, and we did it. We turned Wisconsin red. And, of course, for those of you that listen to me every day all the time, uh, you listen to me broadcast not from Houston, but you listen to me broadcasting from Republican Party headquarters in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So, yes, we turned it. The pollsters weren't counting on that, I guess, were they? Liberals lashed out at uh, data guru Nate, Nate Silver for giving Trump a 35% chance <laughs> of victory heading into Election Day. <laughs> uh-huh. the, the liberals lashed out at a guy, Nate Silvers, because he said Trump has a 35% chance of winning. And they said, no, he has put his thumb on a scale for Trump of making sure the race appeared closer than it was. Hillary's going to walk away with this thing. Don't even give them the false hope that Donald Trump could win this. Don't do it. But Nate uh, Nate Silver said, no, I think Donald Trump's got a 35% chance of winning this thing. I think he does. So uh, there we have it. By the way, Cutler Brogdon, I see him commenting on my uh, video. Facebook shut me off, guys, because I played uh, Slow Ride by Foghat for my good buddy Cutler. And uh, so, Cutler, this is all your fault. Then I'm, I'm kicked off of Facebook now for at least a couple of days. Uh, look, I like to play good music, and I'm a musician, and I appreciate good music. And you can buy all the music that you hear on the Doc Green Show, at least most of it, you can buy on, on Amazon.com. So why not get it? Or you can get it from iTunes stores. Now, some of the stuff I played on the show yesterday was my own music, and I may play some more of that today. But uh, that was my own music, so you can't get that there. And sometime this week, I'm going to get out some music from my buddy, uh, Billy Blues Lewandowski up in Ohio, uh, his band Tricycle. Uh, he just sent me a new CD, so I'm going to play some of that stuff. Their version of Mr. Soul is just, I mean, amazingly. Amazing, fabulous. So uh, very cool. 
Um, meanwhile, the rest of the polls show Clinton's with Lee, showed uh, 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 Hillary Clinton, the one that the woman that, according to John Podesta, her campaign campaign manager said she smells like cabbage, urine, and farts. Somebody should tell her to take a bath once in a while. Yeah, that's what John Podesta said about Hillary Clinton. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, all the other polls said, no, nah, she's ahead between two and six points. Uh, there's no question that, that Hillary wins this. Real clear politics said she's got a three-and-a-half-point lead nationally, and uh, 3.3. And uh, the battleground data was, was just saying that Donald Trump wins practically nothing around here, guys. He's not even going to win Texas. So uh, y'all just might as well stay home. Um, and meanwhile, up there in Wisconsin, all the polls were showing Hillary with a 6.5 lead right up until Election Day. The state was not even being talked about on par with Michigan and Pennsylvania as, as even a potential pickup for Donald Trump. But his victory in Wisconsin helped him seal the deal. And indeed, it did. It did seal the deal. So, uh, and once again, thank you to, uh, to Sam Bravenek for writing that check, which helped uh, underwrite some of our expenses. Because me and the other 14 members of the Texas Strike Force, we went up there on our own dime. Nobody paid us to go. None of us are rich. None of us are wealthy. And, uh, in fact, Kay Hall, the wife of Senator Bob Hall, went along with us, and she was awesome. I mean, look, the whole team, uh, absolutely, absolutely amazing people. And I'm just so grateful to all of you. Uh, great, very, very grateful for everything that you did because nobody paid you to do this. Doc Collins, driving the van. Nobody paid you to do this. Uh, Larry, driving the van. Nobody paid you to do this. And those guys, when the rest of us were eating all this great food, they're having a salad for lunch because they didn't want to get sleepy because, let's face it, it's a two-day drive. It's almost a 24-hour ride up to Wisconsin. And uh, it, it, was, it was grueling. But we did it because we cared. We did it because we believed it matters. And yesterday I got texts from a number of my clients who did not believe. And they, and they thought I was nuts. They did. They thought I was absolutely nuts that Donald Trump could win this thing. And I kept telling them, no, Trump's going to win it. And he's going to win it by at least 10 points. I kept telling them that. And they didn't believe me. But yesterday, they believed. So maybe some of them will start listening to the show now, realizing what you have known for a long time. There is no truth in the mainstream media. Michigan, Pennsylvania, deep blue states. A GOP candidate is not one in those states for decades. And only at the very end did any polls show that it was tightening up. Only one poll from the Trafalgar group showed Donald Trump with the lead. Only one CNN, as soon as they had 10% of the California vote in, called it for Hillary so that they could immediately get some points on the board because most of the night on, on uh, Fox News, it looked like Donald Trump had nearly a 100-point lead in the, uh, in the uh, Electoral College. Conventional wisdom among most of the pollsters was the race would be at least close, two to three points with Clinton winning, running the table, just like Barack and St. Obama did. But state after state told the same story for Donald Trump and Clinton. Working class voters, the silent majority, was being underestimated by the pollsters, by the pollsters. And they swarmed for him on Election Day, especially in the Rust Belt. Now, the way, uh, the way it was framed on CNN, yeah, we had a bunch, bunch of uneducated white men showed up to vote. 
Well, Dr. Michael Savage on his show last night said, yeah, I guess I'm an uneducated white man. I have two degrees. I have a doctorate from a major university. I've written 47 books. I guess I'm an uneducated white man because I support Trump. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, is this awesome or what? I, You know, and... I guess I'm an uneducated white man, for that matter. As you can tell, I, I have a, a heavy hillbilly accent, and uh, and I, I barely read, I don't know, maybe 5,000 books in my life, something like that. Uh, I went to college. I went to multiple colleges before I finally got my degree. But uh, I also had a wife. I had four kids. I ran several businesses. I played in a number of bands, one of which actually got a song on the radio back in the uh, 70s. Uh, So I guess I'm an uneducated white guy too, but what the heck? Who knows? Well, you know. The fact of the matter is Hillary, Hillary Clinton, she'll never get that Benghazi blood out of her blouse ever, could not reach women. The fact of the matter is most women preferred to have a real man in the White House, a, a real man that actually loved women. That's what they wanted to see in the White House. And they turned out, and they voted, and they voted hard. And now, I mean, the rest is history. Libertarians got 3.5%, which should be enough to get them back on the ballot nationally again. We just uh, talked with Tommy Attaway, so we know what the story is on that. But we, we are here. We are loud, and we are proud, and we are making a difference in Texas. And I am just so grateful to all of you guys for everything that you have done here in Texas today. I mean, it's just amazing and impressive to me what you have done. So God bless you. God bless Texas. I'm going to play a little bit of music, and I'll be right back. The Doc Green Show, live from Houston, Texas, where we do still have a problem. We'll deal with that later. Stick around right now. Invite your friends. Download the Raging Elephants Radio app on your smartphone. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Raging Elephants Radio on your smart device, wherever you are, and you can hear all of this great information. Be right back, guys.
Oh, what the heck? I'm in a celebratory mood, so let's have a little bit of more music on the Doc Green Show.
right, guys. I got to get out of here. A little bit more for you. I'm going to play it on out. And then it's the Apostle Claver T. Kamaui Monty. And he'll be followed by the Libertarian Triple Threat, Mr. Scott Ford himself. You don't want to miss it. Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. My co-hosts, Alfred Adisk and James Corbett of the Corbett Report, will be here right after the first segment of today's program. So let's get started with the crazy markets that we're experiencing after the election two days ago for Thursday, November 10th, 2016. Um we're going to focus on some financial news today. Of course, a lot of it is all all based around uh, uh, Mr. Trump. Uh, we have some reports first uh, that I'd like to talk about. You had the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It hit another record high today. Copper posted its bigger biggest back-to-back surge in three years, and alongside of it was uh, gaining. You had lead, zinc, and aluminum. Um, we haven't seen any follow-through with gold as yet, but we will. In the aftermarket, gold, New York spot price, down 22 today at 1,257. 1,257 down 22. Silver, though, uh, was up 0.05 at 1,861. Most of these, um, um, these numbers for gold and silver started to go heading down, you know, probably around 3.30. Uh, silver was much higher most of the day, holding around the 18.85 level, and it just just recently uh, came back down to this 18.61 level uh, right before the markets closed. Platinum was down 28 at 976. Palladium up 12 at 600. And 93. The USDX today, I didn't have a chance to see where that was at. Up 23, up 23 at 98.81. Crude oil was down 0.76 at 
51. And let's get to those paper paper markets today. You had the Dow up triple digits again once again. You had the Dow up 218 points, 18,808. The Nasdaq didn't fare as well. It was down 42, but still 5208. <laughs> the S&P was up 4, 2167. The 10-year yield continues to climb, 2.12% up 0 0.05. The euro, of course, was down 109. And Japan and Hong Kong, pretty much Japan was down over 5% today, the, the day before. It reversed itself, uh, London, pressure on London and Germany, which was a little surprised to see considering uh, the strength in, in all the other markets around the world. So I still expect to see gold reverse itself here shortly. I think we still had a 1250 uh, that it will test and the the reason I believe it will turn around is because the only thing you read, every article that I read about uh, uh, the, the, the financial news and so forth, it's all about inflation. So gold will respond. I know some of the mining shares, they got hit pretty hard. Newmont Mining today was down a little over 6%. But I actually have some good news in, in a particular gold coin that I'll talk to you prior to uh, – leaving this first segment before Al and James come on. So let me get to what I want to talk about today. Again, we will see the follow-through on gold. and we're, We'll have to see where, and we'll see how, how, how low gold will go. But I still expect to see uh, 1250 as a bottom. We did have the dollar rise against most of its peers. You had government bonds. They're extending their sell-off. And again, inflation. Everyone is betting on faster and higher inflation. They are betting that with Trump and a Republican-controlled Congress, they will have lower taxes, they'll ease corporate regulation, and ramp up spending to spur the world's largest economy. Statement posted on his official transition website, so the new administration will replace Dodd-Frank, Act financial sector law with pro-growth policies. And as a side note, you know, Dodd-Frank gets blamed a lot for our slow economy. That law created five new regulatory agencies and affects a profound increase in regulation on the financial services. So bye-bye to Dodd-Frank. Well, sometimes you do have to have regular, sometimes you do have to have regulation. I mean, that's what got everyone into the, the problem with the derivatives and, and the subprime lending. But even with the Dodd-Frank Act, we still have subprime lending going on. So we're not so sure how good those regulations were. It stifled the economy, but that seems to, uh, it will at least be replaced with some pro-growth policies. And as we know, Trump has pledged to cut taxes and boost spending on infrastructure by as much as $500 billion. His proposals, now this is from the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. They estimated that his proposals would increase the debt by $5.3 trillion. Definitely inflationary and definitely good for gold. So people, what we're seeing now, I think what we're seeing in the markets, what we're seeing around the world, 
people are traders are going through the possibilities about what Washington looks like today and what it's going to look like tomorrow. And these people, they're always going to Washington to see what it can or it can't do for them. Uh, John Manley, who helps oversee about $233 billion as chief equity strategist for Wells Fargo, says corporations feel there's a less restrictive hand. People may take that as a positive. And I think that's what we're seeing in the stock market. They are, corporations are taking it as a positive. You know, they're, they're looking at, at lower tax, lower taxes and, and less regulations to perhaps they can expand and, and create jobs. Federal Reserve's they're going to do a rate increase in December. If the markets stay this strong, there's absolutely no reason why they wouldn't, not with all their great little reports that they fudged um, prior to the election for Hillary. So if they stay with, if they don't readjust those numbers and they stay with those numbers and the stock markets stay as strong as they are, yeah, they're going to increase the rates in December come a quarter point. And that is in their meeting is December 13th and 14th meeting. So we have that to look forward to. Investors from PIMCO, the Pacific Investment Management Company, they see a surge in long-term U.S. Treasury yields as a sign of inflation will be on the rise. This is good for gold. So again, folks, the reason I, I talk about this, and I'm just as excited as everyone else is out there with the hope that things are going to change in Washington, and I do believe they're going to change, but I do believe we still have a financial system that is a problem, and by tacking on, I don't care how you do it, you know, if you you create uh, government bonds to, to, to you know, fund the infrastructure projects, you know, still has to be paid for. So there, there's a lot of things that uh, I don't see as positive for our monetary system. Therefore, we're going to have inflation, and gold will protect your purchasing power as a hedge against inflation. That's just one of the benefits that gold will do. Just like we, we give the examples of a man's business suit that you could buy in 1950, you can still buy the same suit today with the same amount of money priced in gold. So it protects your purchasing power. And the Federal Reserve remains to be seen whether she'll be replaced prior to her. I think she's actually in office until 2018. So we'll have to see what Mr. Trump does there. But what's interesting is, you know, here we are. Trump hasn't even taken office yet. He did meet Obama today. He went to, and I would have loved to have been a, a fly on that wall. But we're already seeing a positive difference. You're seeing positive energy being created. And it really is amazing how a man, a president-elect, can make these leaders around the world try to make everyone forget what they said prior to the election. They are scared of Trump and what he's going to do for this country. 
with his election, what effect it will have on their country. So, again, you're going to see them all come back, you know, because they, again, they all know where their bread is buttered. The Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, he said today that he was willing to renegotiate the North American Free Trade Agreement. So already he has, it's going to be two against one. As you all remember, that's NAFTA, Trump called, was the worst trade deal the United States has ever signed. Clinton signed it, but it really was created by the Bush administration. But Clinton did sign it. So, and so this is important. And Trudeau says he thinks it's important that we be open to trading, to talk about trade deals. Trudeau loves free trade. Now, free trade is a lot different than fair trade. I believe Mr. Trump believes in fair trade. And Trudeau continues to say if the Americans want to talk about NAFTA, he is more than happy to talk about it. He said, adding that it was important to periodically reassess trade deals to ensure that they continue to be a benefit to the Canadians. Well, you know, we know Canadians, Canada is having a little bit of problems, too. So, again, here comes a, <laughs> another leader of a country and uh, willing to do whatever is necessary to help his own country. But that's that's the way the world works. Remember Mr. Farage? Remember he did a little bit of campaigning, or he was at the Republican convention. I believe he was the first Briton ever to attend the Republican convention. Mr. Farage recently said, and, and he was a major force behind Brexit, he said in a radio interview, <laughs> he called Obama a creature, a lonesome individual who couldn't stand our country, meaning Britain. And I'm not so sure Obama could stand this country either. But look, Mr. Farage goes on, he says, what was interesting was that Trump said we'd be at the front of the queue, the line. He said on this radio interview, listeners bear this in mind, however imperfect Donald Trump may be, and he is, and he was kidding about how his mother was Scottish, that he spent a lot of time in his country. He says he loves our country, what we stand for, and our culture. But then this is where it gets interesting. He says this is a big opportunity, and he was being interviewed over there. This is a big opportunity for all British business. Because once we left that awful EU thing, we can do our first trade deal with the United States of America. He says, isn't that great? He says, all these dreadful people who work hand in glove with Goldman Sachs and everybody else have made themselves rich and they have ruined our countries. He says he, he couldn't be happier and neither can I. So it was kind of interesting. Today, Mr. Trump got to meet with the creature, as Mr. Farage has uh, uh, affectionately termed Obama, on Thursday today, and of course they were um, they were nice to one another, but they did have a meeting, just the two of them. And I would have loved to have been a little fly on that wall. I can only imagine well, what was traded. And I think whenever you have a private, I guarantee you, Obama was probably asking Trump not to go after Hillary, just to kind of leave her alone and um, not to put her in jail. But we'll see. We'll see. Another reason we should be thankful that Mr. Trump was elected and not Hillary, 
This is from, I can't remember what, Natural News, I believe. And it, and it was. Everybody, you know, supporters of Clinton thought that Hillary actually believed in supporting women and children and immigrants and humanity. But in the real world, she was an obedient pawn of the most evil, genocidal corporate entities on the planet. And had she had seized the White House, she would have ushered in a, an agricultural apocalypse that let powerful agrochemical corporations like Monsanto, and they are soon to merge with Bayer, poison our planet, our food, our children with cancer-causing chemicals. And Clinton was tight with Monsanto. She was also a favorite pick for Big Pharma and the chemical medication, medication industry that, that, that continues to prey upon the endless disease to generate massive corporate profits. We talk about this all the time, the corporate profits of these big, of big pharma on Wednesdays when Wendy Wilson joins us from Apothecary Herbs. So all of these pharmaceutical companies were counting on Clinton and um, hoping that they were guaranteed another 48 Four to eight more years of profits as Americans suffered and, can, and dies from cancer, diabetes, and other diseases. I wanted to do a comparison. Here's some, here's some good news about gold. Tomorrow we'll talk about Lisbon. We'll talk about robots and uh, artificial intelligence. GM to lay off another 2,000 workers at two U.S. plants. We'll talk about that tomorrow. I wanted to get this through. I wanted to know how some of my $20 gold pieces were performing with this big hit on on spot gold. So I went back. Someone called for pricing, and I had originally quoted them back on September 6th. So I thought, well, while I was quoting the same coins, I would do a comparison with today and when he had initially requested the price quote on his Mint State 64 $20 gold pieces. And I was actually pleasantly surprised because I wasn't really following the 64 $20 Liberty so closely. Back on September 6th, spot gold was $1,343. Today, when I did this comparison, gold was still at $1,267. So in two months, we saw gold drop in price of $76. The Mint State 64 $20 Liberty gold piece increased by $90. I did this comparison yesterday, and I pulled up the prices today to just see, because I figured that, you know, they probably would have went down a little bit. But that Mint State 64 $20 gold piece, even though we have gold down $22, or not that much earlier in the day, was still up $5. What does that tell me? Tell me there's incredible purchasing going on in these coins. They're a limited supply. They're a beautiful coin, $20 gold piece, Liberty, Mint State 64, and supply and demand. Demand is strong. Supply is limited. Therefore, the price has gone up. A tremendous buy. And I do have that on special 
today. And the special on that today is going to be $1,840. This also includes a free Silver Eagle along with the Christmas container that the Silver Eagle comes in. It includes your shipping costs, and the total is $1,840. So give us a call at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. James and Mr. Corbett. I should say Alfred and James will be here with you in just a few short minutes. You've just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. And this is Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. And our guest is James Corbett, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, from the CorbettReport.com, talking about all things economic and geopolitical and uh, sometimes even humane. I saw that you had an article that you had, uh, that you just published, uh, see, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at my, I have the wrong script here in front of me. Hang on just a second. There we go. Uh, you, printed, you printed an article just lately that only love can defeat the new world order. Now, that's kind of strange. Um, I mean, the title... Uh, are, are, you, <laughs> are you wearing flowers in your hair or anything like that? 
not too well. If I had hair, maybe I would. Yeah. But no, uh, certainly not. It, it does. I, I hope it does strike people as a strange sentiment because I hope it is in 180 degree complete sharp contrast to everything that people are hearing and experiencing from all of the media, mainstream, alternative, and otherwise, which I have noted, and I talked about just last week on The Corporate Report, I, I did a uh, episode on You Are Being Programmed to Hate, where I've talked about the hatred and the vitriol and the division and the scorn and the rancor that is being increased and ratcheted up that I think we all feel, I think we've all seen come bubbling up to the surface, especially during this 2016 selection cycle and I want to be stand in 180 degree complete contrast to that. I want to be on the other side of that fence, not talking about hatred and division and scorn and how you can be at war with your neighbor, but how people can overcome that tendency and I hope it's not pie in the sky flowery rhetoric that means nothing I hope there's something to it because otherwise we will be divided and ruled you know I watched the I watched the election yesterday for from eight o'clock at night until three o'clock in the morning or whenever Trump finally accepted and stopped speaking and whatever one of the things that impressed me about it I happen to be a Trump supporter or at least a Hillary you know, antagonist. I watched people in the Trump audience who were deeply wounded, or excuse me, in the Hillary audience that were deeply wounded when she lost. They were crying. They, were, they looked to me just like Trump supporters. And it kind of surprised me because the only thing I've been hearing is how vicious and violent and criminal the people that are involved in the Trump or in the Hillary campaign were. And it turns out that the supporters, I was surprised to see, they look just like me. Right? I didn't see that to be true. I didn't see viciousness, violence, the rest of that. I was, I was kind, of, kind of surprised. But I was also surprised to hear them complaining about Trump supporters as being vicious and violent. Huh? And I thought, wait a second, you don't get it. And it is amazing to me how little... The Hillary supporters understand about the Trump supporters, and apparently how little the Trump supporters understand about the Hillary supporters. It has been a real polarizing election. There has been great division, just as you pointed out in your article about there will be a divided U.S. public that hates the other half as a consequence of the Trump election, or I think you meant it as a consequence of the Trump election. And you don't think we're going to heal that anytime soon? Well, I mean, that's up to us, ultimately, and it's up to people having insights and epiphanies like you just had, because it is a surprising phenomenon to see people on the other side of that fence being similar to yourself. How could yeah. that possibly be? We are almost being taught that it's almost like a different species. This yeah. is a different class of human being. This isn't like you or me. And... I mean, there's so much irony here, and I, I have to admit, there's schadenfreude that comes along with this to see yep. the, the the hypocrisy. But this is the way that I contextualize this, because I've been doing the Corbin Report now since 2007. So I started in the Bush era strongly against Bush and everything he was doing. So I was used to being called a left-wing pinko commie by the right-wingers, 
and, uh, and being loved and embraced by people on the left side of the equation. And then on January 20th, 2009, I suddenly became this right-wing fascist, literally Hitler, and uh, people on the left couldn't understand why I wasn't enthused about hope and change Obama style, and suddenly people on the right thought that I was a sane and reasonable person. And <laughs> hey, it looks like that pendulum is going to swing again. So what does this mean politically? I mean, just look at one example of this that I thought was particularly striking, and I think it encapsulates so much of what we're seeing right now. It's an article up on Slate.com, obviously a heavily left-leaning outlet, uh, I believe par uh, part of the Washington Post group, and uh, they wrote, wrote this article just a few hours after the election on 2.38 a.m. on November 9th. It's worse than you think. Donald Trump assumes the office of the presidency at the peak of its imperial powers and unhindered by the drag of divided government, where they say, so now we have a president-elect with authoritarian tendencies, assuming a pre presidency that has never been more powerful. Over the course of the past 20 years, we have invested ever more authority in the executive branch of government. We have given presidents the power to launch war without congressional consent, and we have given them the power to rewrite the crucial details of domestic policy without any legislative stamp of approval. We rarely worried about investing the presidency with such latitude. It seemed a rational response to legislative gridlock, the only way to keep the country moving, and it seemed reasonable to believe that the considerable power of the presidency would be wielded by a person who respected the Constitution and the norms of American government. Translation, all of those powers that we loved under Obama, we will now hate under Trump, and we will love once again, once it is a Democrat, once again in office in four to eight to 12, whatever, however many years. How ridiculous, how saddening, what an indictment of the entire system that it works time and time and time again, that you get half of the public seeing through, seeing the real problem, seeing what's really going on, seeing that what they have been doing was a mistake, and it will just swing back and forth. The pendulum will continue to swing left to right. The left will be awake. The right will be asleep. The right will be awake. The left will be asleep. And all the time, government powers continue to expand. So... Every time that happens, every time there is a pendulum swing, I think a few more people fall through those cracks. A few more people see the system for what it is, and there, this is the moment. This is the moment where we might have a chance at reaching out to some of those leftists who supported everything under Obama to maybe see why that isn't a good idea and why we shouldn't do that. But uh, it's a small window of opportunity for before people launch into the, the hatred, just hate anything Trump, and then love anything your team does. Uh -huh. We have to break through this conditioning, and this is the kind of moment of opportunity to see that. Does the problem you're describing have anything to do with the, the statement that those who learn from history are, are destined to repeat it? I mean, it's, even, it's even more fundamental than that, though, isn't it? Because it's not, uh, yes, it is that, but it's, it's not just that people aren't learning from it. It's that there is that mental block, that it is such an effective mental block that this is my team, and anything my team does is by definition good, yep. and anything on the other team is by definition bad. And that's going to play out extremely interestingly over the next few months and years because I have a fairly strong suspicion 
And hey, I don't have a crystal ball. I have a fairly strong suspicion that Donald J. Trump is not going to be, uh, is not going to govern the way anyone is expecting him to govern. Uh, a lifelong Democrat with Democrat tendencies, I don't think he is actually going to be the incredible right-wing Bush on steroids that people the on the left... The great right hope? Is that what you're talking about? Well, uh, yeah, exactly. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think there's going to be some big surprises in store for everyone. And one example of this, what were the very first words to come out of President-elect Donald J. Trump? Was it, lock her up, yay, you know, now we've, we can do all of those things we talked about on the campaign trail. No, it was, I'd like to thank Hillary Clinton for her service to the country, and uh, she fought a great campaign, and we should all say a sincere thank you to her. Hmm. I, I, understand. I hope that people who supported Donald J. Trump, for whatever reasons they were supporting, will take a good look at what is about to happen and the things he is about to do and look at them honestly. Not convince yourself that just because I voted for this team and this team is now in power, whatever they do is good. Look at what actually happens and be honest about it. That's all I can say to people who are on board the Trump train right now. Just be honest about what's about to happen because I'm pretty sure there's going to be some some uh, promises reneged on. Let's put it that way. There's a question of who's really pulling this train. Is it Donald Trump? Is he the big engine that's pulling this train? Or is it all of the people that were fed up with the establishment that said, we're going to back this guy? Is, it, is this the populist movement or is this the Trump movement? It is 100% a populist movement. It was the people. Uh, it, this is a genuine and authentic expression of a lot of people who are absolutely fed up with the status quo in every sense. The mainstream media, the politicians, the, the uh, business corporate complex. This is a genuine populist movement and a genuine expression of that. Um, and Trump is just the figurehead of that. And that's what, I mean, almost every Trump supporter that I've interacted with, that is the way they frame their support for him. It's, yeah, he lies and, you know, whatever, he, he has corruption and he's not going to be perfect, but it is a big middle finger to the establishment. I get that. And I, in some ways, that is very healthy. That needs to happen. But once again, if people get caught up in the politics of this and start supporting the man instead of the movement, then the movement is lost. And I think... Is, is it lost or does it just sit back and and fume for another few years until they get another shot at the White House? Or in maybe some even way, at Congress or the right. Senate? Right. Well, that, that's true. But in some ways, that's even more depressing because all that does is further reaffirm in the minds of all of these people that the only outlet that you have for affecting change in the world is to wait for your time to vote. You have to wait for the next election cycle, and then you can vote in another person who promises to do what you want them to do, and then they'll renege on that promise, and then you get to vote for another person who promises, etc., etc. I mean, I get why 20-somethings get caught up in this and really believe in it. I am flabbergasted that people who have seen this happen over and over and it's over again their different. entire lives yep. truly believe in the bottom of their core of their heart that this time it's different. I just, yep. I can't imagine why they believe that. Well, a certain amount of hope, I don't know. It is, it's, you know, what fools these mortals be. That's one thing for sure. And it has to 
has to even bewilder the politicians. They know they can fool us time and time and time again, but there's got to be a point where even they get kind of sick of it. Wouldn't they rather have an electorate who demanded politicians that were honest and had some measure of real integrity and not just telling us what we want to hear? Well, personally, I'd rather not think of people as an electorate. I'd like to think of them as people who are individual human beings who can interact with the world and affect change in all sorts of ways that have nothing to do with the, the federal government or what the President of the United States will or will not do by executive fiat. And until I think that shift in consciousness and understanding takes place, then, yeah, I guess we're trapped in a system where people are just slaves to whatever politician comes along promising things to get into power. Um, I, I think until we stop defining ourselves as the electorate and start thinking of ourselves as people interacting in communities, uh, communities of interest that we create then uh, then the game is is lost it's not even the right game it's like playing playing checkers while someone else is playing monopoly and trying to merge those games together um, if they get you to think of the game as monopoly instead of checkers or whatever game you want to play <laughs> maybe this is a strange a strange and strained analogy but I hope you get the point they've got us thinking in the wrong terms about the wrong things and if they if they've got you looking for solutions in the wrong places yeah. then you know who cares you you are enslaved in your mind. Uh -huh. You mentioned that Trump had a background, uh, a historical association with the Democratic Party. He ran as a Republican and he was roundly rejected by the Republican establishment. And the Democrat establishment has shown no love for him. Is it reasonable to sit back and say that Trump is a third party candidate who, by a kind of extraordinary uh, Miracle, it would be some people's description, but something extraordinary happened where a third party candidate managed to capture the the Republican nomination. I mean, technically, he's not a real Republican, and the evidence is that the the at least the establishment, Republican establishment, didn't want him. So, what have we got here? Do we have a third party candidate in the White House? Uh, yes, I mean, there is a, certainly that sense, especially when you put it in the context of him running on the Reform Party ticket in 2000. So it's literally a, what was a third-party candidate has taken over the Republican Party, in, in a sense. So it certainly isn't within that Republican-Democrat dichotomy. That that Republican-Democrat dichotomy, the way it's functioned for decades, has been shattered. And we have yet to see what the pieces, how the pieces of that will sort out and what it will look like, but it will not look the same. So that is some reason for perhaps some window of opportunity slash optimism. Um, but I, I think rather than framing it as third party, I would almost prefer to say non-party, because I am not convinced there is any ideological affiliation behind Donald Trump or his plans, such as they are. I think it is about being in the moment and what will what can be on each issue what can or cannot be done which uh, hey maybe that will be a better governing style for people who are concerned about how people govern other people um but it, i don't think we can fit that at all into the the two-party system as it's existed for decades then do you see trump less of an ideologue than you do as just a technocrat who has a certain amount of expertise to bring to the job 
I, it is in a sense, yeah. I'm not sure I would use the word technocrat, but mm-hmm. um, but certainly uh, that 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 is a I think a closer approximation. Um, I, I don't think this is someone with a political ideology per se, um, but he does have certain political ideals uh, ideas that he has expressed time and time and time and time again for decades, which I think we should take seriously. One example of that. Healthcare, universal healthcare. Um, he probably will scrap Obamacare, but I'm assuming he's going to replace it with Trump care. Uh, he has talked over and over and over throughout the years about being on the side of universal healthcare. He wants universal healthcare. I think he's going to make it happen. I think we're going to get something very similar to Obamacare, but it will be under a different name. So that, those types of things, uh, again, I think people are going to be surprised when they see it's quite opposite to what they expected. When we return, we're going to take a break for a couple of commercials in a few seconds. When we return, we're going to start talking about globalists versus nationalists and where the world is turning right now. We're maybe moving away from globalism and toward nationalism. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is that a dangerous thing? I'm Alfred Addis here with James Corbett from the CorbettReport.com. We'll be back in a moment. Please stay tuned. China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Here with 
James Corbett from the CorbettReport.com, and we have been talking about the election, and I was going to move off into globalization versus nationalization right now, but maybe we want to talk about riots. Is that something we want to talk about, James? Well, I mean, we should at least acknowledge the phenomenon. It's obviously happening as we're recording this, so who knows you know, where this story is going to be in half an hour, let alone a couple of days. But yes, uh, we have seen massive protests happening um, in various cities, obviously a lot on the left coast, not surprisingly. And as again, as we're recording this, uh, apparently people have been shot in Seattle during an anti-Trump protest. So uh, this is exactly what I am I have been worried about with the programmed hate and why I think it's important to have the message of only love will win win, win the, the day. We'll see us through these times because, uh, uh, unfortunately, we're heading into potentially very, very, very dark times right now. We're talking about uh, the political division and great polarization in this country. We're talking about divide and conquer to some degree, aren't we? And you're suggesting that to avoid that division, you actually have to start loving your fellow man and woman, whatever. The uh, fellow man and woman uh, is not some sort of, you know, tro troll from another planet. It's, it is human beings who maybe you disagree with them, maybe profoundly disagree with them. But uh, if we start treating them as as political obstacles. This is the problem with the political game. You have half the population warring with the other half over who will have control over the country, and when your half doesn't get what it wants, it starts to get angry, and uh, that just ratchets up and up and up, so that the whole political game is just a way to keep half of the population at the other half's throats. Look where that gets us. Look at what that actually accomplishes. I wish there was some way to easily put the brake on all of this, um, but uh, uh, again, the message has to be one about love and understanding more so than hatred and division. Do you think these riots, multiple riots, do you think these are erupting spontaneously in different locations or are they being fostered by external forces say we need, we need a bunch of riots right now, let's have one in Seattle and one over in wherever in half a dozen cities. Are they being orchestrated or is this just, or is this coincidence. I do not have any data on that, so I can't say definitively. Um, I can say that if we go by recent events, not only in the United States, but in a lot of different places around the world with the color revolutions and what have you, we know there has been outside influence in these protests time and time again, but also in Ferguson, for example, where Soros was paying to bus in people from other places in order to, uh, to swell the ranks of the protests. So I think we would be naive to think that is not happening, or even if it is not happening right now, that it will not happen, um, that this will not be amplified by people who are looking to stir that pot. And again, this plays into so many different agendas, but the, if you want the, the, the militarization of the police state, what better, what better excuse to do so than by cranking up the problem so that the only solution is, oh, dear government, won't you come in with your militarized police state to save us? Do you think that Trump could have anything to do with this, or is he so far away from the establishment it's not his business? I'm sure that people, and what I mean by that is this, you're implying that there are forces in government that would like to set up a police state, and of course they've been doing it for some time, but they'd like to take a big, they'd like to increase that. Is Trump one of those people? 
yes, um, I, I'm, yes, I think so. I think he has authoritarian tendencies, and I think that is established on the campaign trail where he was talking about how he wants to imp implement the death penalty for uh, people who uh, uh, shoot police officers and things like that, which, uh, again, I don't take it seriously as a political policy proposal because there's no way that the president has any ability to do that. He cannot instate the death penalty for certain crimes uh, with a wave of his hand like that. But I think it shows the underlying tendency and the fact that um, he wants to get people like Snowden and whatever. I, I, I think Snowden is a psyop in various ways, but still the, the sentiment is, you know, it, these leakers and people are horrible people. We have to jage, cage them and jail them, unless, of course, it's Assange who's helping me out, in which case that's all fine. So I think there, the authoritarian tendencies are there. I don't, I don't have the impression that Trump is part of some coordinated plan, uh -huh. um, like with the Soroses and whatever, those, those types of forces. I think it's just his authoritarian nature. Um, the, the coordinated planning comes from the schemers, I think, more on the the New World Order side, however you want to frame it, who see the chaos and see the reaction to the chaos as their way of gaining more order and control over society as part of a planned agenda to move into that more centralized control. Speaking of George Soros, I published a, I, I, I published a link to a video of Soros being interviewed about three weeks ago on my blog. And Soros looked to be an old, fragile man. He was kind of shaking. He looked like he wasn't fully he wasn't fully in control of what he was saying, and he made some extraordinary admissions. He admitted in that video that, first off, he admitted that Hillary was going to lose by a landslide, even though she's his candidate, but he went on and said that they had people in the Electoral College that essentially they'd bought and paid for who might rectify that problem. Um... Do you think the Electoral College is likely to give us a surprise and wipe out Trump's victory and hand it to Hillary? I do not expect that to happen. If it were to happen like that, the I mean, can you imagine the reaction? Yeah, I can. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if if some outside influence was looking to create a civil war, that would be the uh, the, the shot heard around the world. Um, there's no way that you could put that easily back in the bottle. So I don't think, I don't expect that to happen, but if the forces of chaos want chaos, that would be a great way to bring it about, wouldn't it? I would, I would say so. We've got an article here from uh, Yahoo News quoting Deutsche Bank, <laughs> which is interesting to me. Deutsche Bank is more in the news since it's gone bankrupt, or is technically bankrupt than it ever was while it was solvent. But the headline is Bye-Bye Globalization, and one of the Banks uh, strategists, you see, writes, the world has been um, on a globalization trend since the end of World War II, but looking at the evidence this year, there is compelling reason to believe that globalism is dying. All right, globalism, I'm going to guess, is dying because global free trade is dying. We're in a global, something like at least a global recession, and arguably, from my perspective, a global depression. People are going to disconnect from other countries, in part perhaps to blame other countries for their problems. Do we, is if we're going from globalization, are we headed to nationalization? And is that nationalization dangerous to us? Is it just a natural part of life? Uh, sine wave, ebb and flow, up for a while, down for a while? 
or is it dangerous to us? Do you see nationalization as dangerous? It's not, I mean, it's not as, as simple as that. We have to look at the bigger picture of what's happening here. I think this is a repudiation of globalism as it has been proceeding and as we've seen it developing since the 90s with the WTO and, and uh, what happened in Seattle and, and places like that where you had clearly this open conspiracy, I guess we could call it, where the you know leaders and people in positions of power go to these enclaves at G20 meetings and what have you to hammer out how globalization is going to proceed behind closed doors in concert with each other in ways that the public has no ability to interact with. And they keep saying, oh, it's it's for the best. It's, it's going to make a, a better, prosperous society, whereas people continue to get laid off and feel the effects of that. So this is a repudiation of that. It is... Uh, it's a big mandate to tear up the TPP, for example, which, again, I would expect that Trump will do, but we'll have to see. But that, and to the extent that that happens, that is a good thing. But as always, it is a question of what is the, what is that replaced by and what is the ultimate effect of that? Uh, we are heading into an era of more protectionist policies, and there are short-term benefits and gains that we will see by about that. I mean, it's way, way, way too early to be talking about the markets and what this means and, and things like that. But we have seen, for example, industrial stocks going up after the markets digested what was happening and the futures uh, plunged. But now we see the market rally and we see, for example, industrial stocks going up on the expectation that, well, he's going to do all these protectionist policies that are going to help American manufacturing and industry. So let's invest in that. And that, that buoys and, 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 and uh, there's an upward uh, uh, pressure on, on wages and things. So this is, this is all good. But let's look at the bigger ramifications of this. A couple of things come to mind. One is that the 1930s were a time of protectionism and the basically the grinding to a halt of global trade and uh, beggar thy neighbor type of uh, devaluation policies were going on. And that really was part of the key buildup towards World War II. That is something to keep in mind. The other thing is we have, I mean, we know, we've been talking about this over and over for years. We ha are living in the central bank bubble. It has been going on since the Fed started its bailouts and since the 2008 crisis, they've been pumping in all of that money to keep stocks up, to keep uh, bonds down. We have seen the bubble. We are living in the bubble. The bubble cannot, by definition, cannot last forever. It will crash. If you bring in these protectionist and nationalist policies and the bubble pops, guess what's going to be blamed for it? It's going to be these policies. So that's something for people, even people who are in favor of these policies to think about. But there's the bigger, bigger picture, which I always look at, and that is that I am not against globalism per se. It's not globalism. It is not uh, because that puts it into a, a, a dichotomy. It's globalism versus nationalism. No, I'm against collectivism. And there are two subsets of collectivism. There's globalism and there's nationalism. They are both collectivist mindsets. So at this time, when people are looking for solutions, I hope that they will go back and ponder some things that have been talked about with regards to nationalism and how it is a dangerous collectivist ideology. And one example, I'll point people to George Orwell's notes on nationalism, where there's a lot to ponder in there, including where he said, had that famous quote, the nationalist not only does not approve, disapprove of atrocities committed by his own side, but he has a remarkable capacity for not even hearing about them. It's more of the team mentality. Our team, 
great, that team bad, and that is a dangerous a mindset to be in, um, whether that's happening with political parties or whether it's happening with nation states or in whatever box people are putting themselves in, it disconnects them from what is really happening and it makes them support things they otherwise would not support. I've only got about three minutes left, but I've got a question here about external threats. There are rising tensions between NATO and Russia. Are those tensions, tensions caused by simple Russian aggression? Or does Russia need an external threat to hold Russia together? Is Russia under enough economic and political internal stress that they need a foreign boogeyman in order to hold Russia together? Well, I, for one, am disgusted that the Russians put their borders so close to all these NATO bases. Um, uh, clearly, uh, what we're seeing is ramping up of the military uh, threat from the neocons, neolibs, warhawks in the American establishment to a ridiculous degree. And I hope that is the first short-term immediate uh, change that we will see with this Trump president, presidency, which is a ratcheting down of that talk. I really hope that does take place because it is ridiculous. But you bring up a good point, which is often missed even in the alternative media, which is that that type of existential threat from NATO, it certainly does have a political use for people like Putin, who is vastly, wildly popular in Russia, largely because the Russians feel, and I think it is a, an understandable feeling given the, the overall political climate, they feel uh, an existential threat from NATO, who is threatening at their doorstep. So what happens in those times? You rally around the flag, you rally around the president. There is a political benefit that Putin reaps from that, and uh, I, I'm sure he's not oblivious to that fact. So it does, like all these military conflicts, it always helps the centers of power to, to ratchet them up in different ways. Let's hope, let's hope, and I don't put a lot of emphasis on, on hope and change, but let's hope that there really is a ratcheting down, because that does not benefit anyone in the general population with these, these uh, ridiculous militaristic statements that have been made in recent years. We've got rising tensions between NATO and Russia. It might serve Russia's interest to see those to create an external threat. But what about European leaders who worry about Brexit tensions within the European the, uh, Union that could cause the European Union to disintegrate? Does the European Union need an external threat to hold the European the EU together? That's one of the, the factors at play, but I think the European Union is about to face. Uh, there are elections coming up in a number of EU, core EU countries that could see similar phenomena to what we've been experiencing. We're seeing the changing of the political landscape, what politics, how politics have been functioning. So um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the same old boogeyman warmongering in the same old ways will work to rally people in the same way as they have before. I really hope there's been a change in that because that is obviously not the way we want to continue to proceed. Question is always what comes along to, to, to change that or to, to change that calculus, and we'll have to see if the world becomes more peaceful. And if so, let's all rejoice. If both sides, NATO and Russia, Europe and Russia, if they both need an external threat, they're both pointing fingers at each other, does that increase the possibility that this will degrade into real war and you've only got about 10 seconds to answer? Uh, yes, if that's the, the game plan. But there are people within the, the, the hierarchies on all sides that also do not want that and are trying to steer it away from that. Let's hope that they win in that particular battle. All right, James, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for your answers, insight, intelligence. 
We look forward to talking to you again in two weeks. I'm Alfred Adiskin. This is Financial Survival. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Todd, the producer, and James Corbett. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Pain is bad. Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time, I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserved or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. 
These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now.
right, good afternoon all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Thursday, November 10th, 2016, about eight minutes after 2 p.m. Pacific time. If that's when it is where you're at, we're live. 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Is the website or website? It's you know they're identical as of right now they are, and uh, you know they're on different servers and all that. In case there's a problem at one or somewhere in the country, probably the other one won't be affected unless, of course, the problem is here, which you know that happens, but not well. Actually, the websites are not affected really by problems I have here. I mean, updates at the archives might be and. Uh, you know, updates and my participation in the chat room, that might be affected by here. But the the website is not hosted here, so, you know, chances are it'll be up no matter what. So that's a good thing. And um, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com, we've got a few pointers out there that will get you to the same thing. AVRN.TV is one of them. That'll get you there. avrn one Dot com will get you there. Uh, AmericanVoiceRadio.net will also get you there. Those are just pointers, though, folks. They don't take you to anything different. The only two real sites we have, because I call them real sites because they're on different servers, is uh, the AmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And as I did mention, we do have a chat room there, and... Uh, it's it's a little slow, but there's people in there, and uh, they're happy it's Thursday. Well, I am too. Probably be a little happier, a little tiny bit happier if it was Friday, but hey, Thursday's good too. Thursday's a real good day on ABR. we got a full, full, full schedule of uh, interesting shows. So let's get on with it, and uh, we'll see here what's going on in the world. Uh, all right, I guess I'll start with this. People have to die. Anti-Trump protester calls for violence on CNN. Yep. During the massive anti-Donald Trump protests held in California the day after the election, one woman, one woman CNN spoke to called for violence and death as a means to enact political change. Uh, oh, just a woman? Not quite. If we don't fight, who is going to fight for us? People had to die for your freedom. Where, where we're at today. We, just, we can't just do rallies. We have to fight back, said Lily, a Latina woman from Los Angeles. Okay, Lily, you want violence? You got it, wench. Tell you what, you don't like it here? Head on back down to Mexico and see how well you do down there. And I don't care if you go in a plastic bag or an INS bus. Either way, you want violence. You know what? You'll have it. I'm serious, folks. The way things are going uh, with the, uh, the communists, and that's who they are, invaders and communists, look, Donald Trump had better fulfill his promise to the American people 
and get these illegals out of this country. And, you know, I would prefer not to see people dragged out of their houses and dragged down the street into a bus and and shipped on down to Mexico or Guatemala or Syria, wherever the heck they came from. But you know what? If that's how they want it, that's how they'll have it. I would prefer that the government just say, listen, businesses, you got one shot here of a small fine, but uh, we catch you the second time hiring any illegals, your business will be seized. It will be sold on the auction block, and you will be put in jail for a year. How's that? I don't care if it's a corporation. If a corporation gets caught, the CEO and the whole board of directors goes to prison for a year, and the corporation gets disbanded. How's that sound? Huh? See, because if you did that, combined with, oh, by the way, uh, and this should be the case, this should have been the case all along. Look, if you're here illegally, you don't get any food stamps, you don't get any government check, you don't get any education, you don't get to go to the doctor here, you don't get anything for free. Now, if you got money to pay the doctor, fine. You got money to pay to go to school, fine. But see, it doesn't cost any money to go to public school, so that's a benefit. You don't get that if you're here illegally. Just like bank robbers don't get that. Oh, I am a bank robber on the run. Yeah, I robbed the bank and, uh, you know, but now I want a a welfare check. No, uh uh-uh, sorry. See, if you just take away the incentives, nobody really has to get killed here. But if the Latinos want violence, I say we give them violence. Give the Latinos what they want. If you want violence, let's give them violence until every last one of them is dead. I'm serious, man. You see, what happens is these little groups of parasites get together in a place like California, and they look around, and all they see is Mexicans. So they figure, hey, look at us. We're strong. You're not seeing the big picture. You're still a minority. A pretty small minority, actually. I don't think 15% is all that big. Donald Trump needs to do this. He promised us, he got elected on it, and he needs to fulfill it. No no backpedaling, no saying, oh, well, we got to be kind and gentle. Kind and gentle? Really? This is what she goes on to say. There will be casualties on both sides. There will be because people have to die to make a change in this world. She continues on, Trump, enough with your racism. Stop splitting families. Don't split my family. Then take your damn family back to Mexico, you troglodyte. I'm serious, folks. You know what? I, I Hey, I'm pretty easy going when it comes to people living, you know, if you live your life and you just say, okay. Look, I mean, look, you shouldn't come here illegally. However... If somebody did come to the United States illegally and said, man, I want to be here because 
you know, I want to be an American. I want to speak English. I want to have a job and a house and all that stuff. I want to be part of the culture that built America. You know what? I can turn a blind eye to somebody like that. But uh, that's not the way it is. Now these people think that they're entitled somehow because, hey, I broke into your house. Now I'm entitled to everything you got in your house. And uh, there's nothing you can do about it because I'm already here. And if you try to stop me, there'll be violence and somebody will die. And you're not kidding. Somebody will die. It's going to be you. And your kids. Is that really what you want? Why don't you go back to your cesspool in Mexico and fix the problems you got down there and make it a better place to live? Oh, I know why you don't want to do that. Because you know what? You call Donald Trump a racist, but I'll tell you what. That white bread government you got going on down in Mexico, yeah, the white Mexicans, they're far more racist than Donald Trump ever dreamed to be. They're far more racist than I have even dreamed to be. That's why the dark-skinned Mexicans, which are what is mostly the illegal aliens here, they don't want to be in Mexico anymore. Why? Because they're being abused in Mexico. How? Through racism of the white Mexicans. That's the problem in their country, not this country. We've been tolerant, we've been nice, and and we've been forgiving. Ronald Reagan, the old fool, gave them amnesty. In the idea that, okay, look, we're going to be nice, we're going to let you stay, but then this has to stop. Well, has it stopped? No. That was a pipe dream. They took advantage. It's one of those things, giving them inch, they'll take a mile, and they have. Now it's time to slam them down and throw them out and say, that's it. No more Mr. Nice Guy. You want to live here, you go through the pro- proper channels, or you go to jail. And if you want violence, then you'll be dead. And this is what CNN is promoting. Then they got the nerve to say, oh... Look at those racist Trump voters, man. They're shouting, build the wall. How how racist can that be? What? I mean, honestly, folks, it, it, you know what? The, the media is not going to stop. You know, I mean, really. They're not going to stop. They got caught, they got punished, and they're still going to keep it up with their biased BS promoting things that destroy America. Man. Oh, and this is the kind of thing. Now, all right, let's move on to some other things that Donald Trump has promised to do. Alibaba's U.S. growth ambitions at risk after Trump victory. Yep, Chinese internet companies face a new reality after Donald Trump's surprise victory as U.S. president-elect. It wasn't a surprise, folks. You know, look, okay, I'm going to, I'll get back to Alibaba here and the Chinese, but you can see it all over the internet. Oh, God, how could this have happened? Oh, man, how could they get it so wrong? Oh, geez. And then they're like, well, nobody knew how racist everybody was. Oh, gee, nobody knew how many white people would go and vote. Oh, golly, uh, the women betrayed the uh, vagina uh, called Hillary Clinton, and uh, you didn't buy the lies. Oh, she has a vagina, and so do you, so you got to vote for her. 
women didn't buy that, okay? Which my hat's off to you women out there that did not buy that line of crap. Well, the real reason they got it so wrong is one reason and one reason only. They lied, okay? They lied through the whole thing. They made up numbers. They monkeyed the polls. They only asked Democrats. They only asked, you know, they, they only asked certain questions of certain Democrats and then said, oh, look, Hillary Clinton's way ahead. They lied. That's why they got it all wrong. See, they weren't trying to get it right. They weren't really taking polls. What they were doing is putting out propaganda in an effort to manipulate the vote. That's what the media was doing. They lied. They lied continuously, and they lied in order to try to swing the election their way. And they lost. That's what happened. Nothing went wrong. Nobody got it wrong. They were lying the whole time. I've told you throughout this election cycle, since the primaries began, since before the primaries began, that polling is BS. I told you this story about, oh, yeah, I took psychology classes in college and we had to do a study. And it wasn't a real study. I mean, it was, but it wasn't because, you know, we were just being taught how to conduct a study the right way, you know, the, the way, the scientific way. Yeah, well, guess what? I made it all up, okay? I did. I made every little bit of it up. It was all fiction, fiction, total fiction, and I got an A. You know why? Because I did it the way they told me to do it. I just followed the steps they told me to follow. I did it exactly like they said to do it. And I got an A, even though all my data was made up, fictional. Yeah, that's the polls. That's these studies paid for by pharmaceutical companies. They all lie, folks. It's nothing but manipulative propaganda. I mean, when you can't fill a bathroom for a, uh, an election rally... And your opponent is filling Madison Square Garden. Uh, gee, maybe you got a problem. But no. What did the media do? Did they say, golly, maybe something's wrong here? No. What they did was they decided to, I know, bring the cameras in closer, get a closer shot, fill the screen with the 15 people in the room, and make it look like it's full. There we go. Folks, that's lying. That's manipulating the data for your own agenda. And that's what the media did. And this is why they got it supposedly so wrong. But I'm telling you, they didn't get it wrong. They lied throughout the whole time. And they're lying now. They have a false narrative. And they're going to keep pushing their agenda. And the only choice we have, folks, because I really doubt Donald Trump is going to go to the FCC and say, listen, I want all of their licenses reviewed. So it's up to us, folks. Stop watching CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and NBC. And if you think Fox News is any better than any of the others, you're out of your mind. Look at Megyn Kelly. Yeah, Miss Independent, my behind. She voted for Hillary Clinton. I bet you a dime to a dollar. And you know what else? She looked like she was about to burst into tears when she was sitting there on election night figuring out that, oh, guess what? 
Donald Trump is winning. So don't give me this Fox News BS. Okay, fine. Maybe, you know, somebody like Hannity, who was pretty supportive of, uh, you know, Trump the whole time. You know, but you know what? Listen to his shows through another source. Don't give Fox News the benefit of your viewership because they convert that into advertising dollars. Stop funding these people, folks. Stop watching. You don't like the NFL? Look what happened. NFL players start disrespecting the flag. Okay, well, I you know, I really don't care either way. I don't watch the NFL anymore anyway. And it's got nothing to do with any of their stupid players' perceived political views. It's because the game sucks now. They put in so many rules that the game just isn't fun anymore. So I stopped watching years ago, and people are starting to catch on. Yeah, this game sucks. Oh, gosh, yeah, we got instant replay, and it takes these guys 30 minutes to figure out what they're looking at and an instant replay in slow motion. And then they get it wrong almost every single time. 50 gazillion people watching can see, oh, yeah, that's not a foul, or oh, yeah, that is a foul, and almost every single time they get it wrong. And now the league is sitting there promoting... People not even showing the common respect to stand for the national anthem. Now, listen, if you're in the stands and you're you're a man or a woman out there and you don't feel like standing for the uh, national anthem, hey, that's your choice. But you know what? When you are a multimillionaire who has benefited greatly from this country, you know, you ought to show a little respect for your benefactor. But no, they don't. You know, these players are using the NFL and your entertainment time to push their political agenda. And if I was you, I would reject it. And a lot of people out there are. The NFL ratings are going into the toilet. They are losing revenue. Oh, they're still doing great. Because there's so many stupid people in America that just don't care. Gotta watch that game. Because it's really changing my life, depending on who wins. Wow. You know, I realize a lot of people were happy the Cubs won the World Series. I mean, gosh, they hadn't won it for 108 years. You know, that's a pretty long drought. You know, so I get it. You know, yay, I'm a fan. I like to see them win. Good for them. But is your life any different now that the Cubs have won the World Series? Or how about you you Indian fans out there that are really disappointed that the Indians lost? Did it ruin your life? Did it make you bankrupt? Are you out, you know, unless you put a big bet down, uh, that's probably not the case. Oh, no. See, win or lose, your lives are the same as it was before the win or the loss. Gee, I wonder why. And why do you expel all this energy on something that doesn't matter to you in the first place? I mean, really, folks, uh, we got to get into the attitude here that, look, there are only so many things that we have control over in our lives. And those are really the only things that we need to put much concern into. Because the stuff we have no control over... 
we can talk about, we can gripe about, we can comment about, we can do all that about it. But at the end of the day, it doesn't make any difference what we think or what we say because we have no control over it. But the stuff we do have control over, see, if we're wasting our time spinning our wheels on all this crap we can't do anything about, then that's time we are taking away from the things in our life that we can do something about, that we do have control over. That's the stuff you need to focus on. I don't have to watch NFL football. I don't have to give them my viewership. I don't have to go shop at Target. There's lots of other places to shop. I don't have to give them my money. And any other business out there that pisses me off, I don't have to give you any money either. And you can sit up there on your high horse and think, oh, I'm the manager, so I'll do you get out. Okay, fine. I will get out, and I'll take my wallet with me. And you can keep your attitude, and you can just all have your little fairy friends come in and, and be all nice and happy all the time for your poor, rotten service. But I'm not spending any money there. And folks, I encourage you not to either because you do have control over that. And it's the only way these people are going to learn. Look at the media. Well, you know, hey, they're biased. Their corruption helped Hillary Clinton lose just as much as her own lies and corruption helped her lose. But they don't care. They're gonna. They're still at it. They're still out there. Now they're promoting violence. Well, just a week ago when Donald Trump, well, a couple of weeks ago when Donald Trump said, "Well, hey, you're gonna support the uh, the thing if you you know the candidate if you lose." Well, let's see what happens. I'll let you know then. The Democrats went crazy. He's uh, he's destroying our democracy. Oh, my God. I'm shocked. I'm appalled. I can't believe he said that. But now that they have lost, they're on CNN saying, oh, people have to die. We have to, you know, we have to defend our, we have to kill people. We have to do this. Wow. Funny how that changed, huh? I guess they didn't learn their lesson, huh? Well, I guess maybe take away all their money, and maybe they will. Stop watching them. You want news? Go on the Internet. Don't go to their websites. Go to other websites. Go find the news out from other places. Hey, you'll be a lot happier you did anyway. Anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit. As soon as this...
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. You just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called, and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Thursday, November 10th, 2016, about 2.42 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's when it is where you're at, we're live, 800-932-1980 or theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. All right. Well, hey, I got another uh, place here for you some punk that runs some business somewhere called Grubhub, okay? Listen to this. The CEO, he sent out a, and he's this punk kid looking piece of crap, Maloney. Yep. An online food delivery service, Grubhub. Keep that in mind, folks. So if you get any food over the internet, don't get it from them. Okay, because he says this, sent out a letter to his employees. Uh, If you voted for Donald Trump, you may not feel welcomed at Grubhub. The CEO of Grubhub, an online food delivery service, sent a company-wide email Wednesday suggesting employees who agree with President-elect Donald Trump's behaviors and his campaign rhetoric should resign. If you do not agree with this statement, then please reply to this email with your resignation because you have no place here. We do not tolerate hateful attitudes on our team. Oh, but he supports Hillary Clinton, one of the biggest haters on the planet. Hey, how many people has Donald Trump killed? 
Oh, nobody? How many people is Don, uh, has uh, Hillary Clinton killed? Oh, hey, why don't we go ask the folks in Libya how many people she's killed there? Hey, why don't we go ask the people in Syria how many people she's had killed there? Huh? Why don't we go ask the uh, ambassador's family how they feel about it? Huh? How many people has Donald Trump killed, punk? Nobody. But Hillary Clinton's got a warehouse full of dead bodies. But you're, oh, you don't tolerate hate. He goes on, I absolutely reject the nationalist, anti-immigrant, and hateful politics of Donald Trump. Really? And what are the hateful politics? Oh, nationalism and anti-immigrant? This is not anti-immigrant. It's anti-terrorist, anti-illegality, anti-criminal. Okay? If you're here illegally, you are a criminal. Just by being here, you are a criminal. Illegal. That means you're a criminal. Yeah, oh, I guess this guy's, uh, you know, for criminality. And nationalist. Oh, so he's a globalist, is he? He doesn't love America, but he's fine to take Americans' money. Okay? I don't think he's got a little online food delivery thing going on in Mexico, does he? I don't think there's a lot of dirt poor living in a shack, cooking their food on burnt tires in the front yard, ordering a lot of food online from him. It's all Americans. He don't mind taking Americans' money, but he doesn't support America. He rejects Americanism. Grubhub, remember that. And any, any, any of you out there that post online, tell everybody you know. Stop doing business with these people. Anyway, on the campaign trail, Trump promised upend global trade. Upend global trade? That's not what he promised to do. This is from Bloomberg, of course, another communist um, publication that lies the whole time. They do nothing but lie. He never said that. Trump promised to upend global trade. That's not what he said. But they say it, but it doesn't make it true. Saying that China is killing us on trade policy, and they are. So is Mexico. So is the rest of the world. Folks, can you name one country anywhere that the United States has a trade uh, what would you call it? I, I mean, it's been so long since we've had one. Uh, surplus. I can't. I'm actually looking it up right now. What country does the... This I'm typing with one hand here, folks. U.S. have a trade... Surplus with. Let's see what the answer is here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm trying to look here. All right. How about this? United States balance of trade from whenever to whenever. Uh, calendar year 2000. 
No, you know what? We don't have a trade surplus with anybody. <laughs> eh. Let's see. Net exports. Uh, percentages, changes in trade balances since 2011. Let's see. Thailand has gone up $8.9 billion. Turkmenistan has gone up. China's gone up. South Korea's gone up. Belgium's gone up. Taiwan's gone up. Czech Republic up. Switzerland up. Netherlands up. Germany up. Slovakia up. Up, up, up. Hungary down and Ireland down. Gee. Largest trade surplus by country. China. $600.2 billion trade surplus. With who, mostly? The United States. Who has the second biggest trade surplus? Germany. Two hundred forty-seven, uh, two hundred seventy-four billion. Next is Russia with one hundred sixty-one billion. South Korea, Netherlands, Taiwan, Singapore, Italy, Ireland, Qatar, Switzerland, Saudi Arabia, Norway, Belgium, Malaysia. Gee, golly whiz! We're not on the list. Yeah, because we don't have a trade surplus with anyone, all right? So when Donald Trump said they're killing us in trade deals, they are killing us in trade deals. He has proposed tariffs on Chinese goods as much as 45%. Well, that'll never happen, but a, a tariff situation would be a lot better. Now, they go on to say here, his ideas could lead to devastating results from global trade wars to higher cost of living and spell the end of globalization. Well, hallelujah to that, huh? They're 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 worried about Alibaba. Okay? They're worried about Chinese companies. Oh my goodness, you're gonna hurt the Chinese companies. Well listen, man. You wanna trade, let's trade fair. What, what What's wrong with that? Oh, no, that's no good because, see, that's not globalism. Globalism requires Americans to suck it up and just give up their lifestyle, give up their future. Tell your kids you're going to be, hey, take them down to El Paso, show them across the, uh, the creek down there that they used to be the Rio Grande, and, and point over to the uh, little corrugated steel shacks nailed to uh, pallets that they live in while they cook their food on burning tires in their front yard. I've seen this with my own eyes, folks. Okay? Go take them down there and tell them that's your future. You see that right there? That is your future. If we keep going the way we're going, if we don't stop this. Oh, man. Where were we here? Now there's something... Oh, well, there's this. Have you ever heard of Captagon? I never did. Uh, 
The, the top of the story is Captagon and Western Back Rebels. New drug, old story. Captagon. What's that, you might ask? Captagon is the addictive drug used by some of the numerous terrorist jihadist mercenaries and Western Back Rebels in Syria, including Al, Al Nusra and ISIS. Captagon. Uh, was first produced in 1961 as a mix of amphetamine and theophylline. It became illegal in most countries in 1986 due to the World Health Organization pressure. Being a stimulant, it fuels feelings of euphoria, fearlessness, and power, gives you energy rush before the crash, and numbs emotions and empathy. These are, of course, all qualities, well, that any meth head has, okay? I mean, I'll add that, because in my lifetime, I have had the uh, misfortune to meet many, many, many speed freaks out there. And, uh, you know, it's all fun and games. I, I, I can't say that, well, you know, going fast for a little while is, isn't fun. But people do get addicted to it, and they do abuse it, and it does ruin their lives. And it crashes their body, too. I mean, there there's few things more destructive to your body than methamphetamines. But anyway, it goes on. These are, of course, all qualities which are ideal for soldiers who want to kill and not feel the pain. Apparently, Captagon is playing a significant role in the Syrian war, both economically and in terms of its mood-altering ability. Multiple drug busts have occurred since 2010. Last year, in November 2015, Turkish authorities confiscated 11 million Captagon pills. That's an estimated $220 million worth that were destined for Syria. Last month in October, Lebanese police seized 3.5 million Captagon pills that were headed for Saudi Arabia. Is the drug another avenue by which the Western Alliance, NATO, US, UK, is trying to influence and control the outcome of the Syrian war? Mm-hmm. Drugs and soldiers, a connection old as humanity itself. There's a long history of tyrants, monarchs, despots, army generals, and military leaders feeding drugs to their soldiers to enhance their performance. A very early example is Alexander the Great, whose army relied on the opium poppy plant, its morphine, and from which modern heroin is made. And morphine. Mm -hmm. The morphine allowed his soldiers to walk and fight with grave injuries and achieve astonishing feats of endurance, and more, and then they die. In, in you know, in more recent history, in both world wars, American and German soldiers used amphetamines during battle. That's great, isn't it? I mean, hey, where's your kids? Are you got them wrapped up in the flag real nice and tight, do you? You get them uh, joining up in the military, do you? Because, whoa, won't this be fun? They can not only kill and be killed, they can also become drug addicts if they actually do survive, and they can damage their organs, so man, maybe cut 30, 40 years off their life. Won't that be great? How about this headline? And don't put them children away. You keep them nice and wrapped up in that American flag for this story, too, folks, because Pentagon admits to killing civilians in Syria. Why? For propaganda purposes. That's why. That's right. Hey, it's, uh, you know, death is good. It sells good. We got to kill some people. Come over here. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah, get the cameras rolling. 
Pentagon has acknowledged that as many as 64 civilians have been killed in Syria and Iraq as a result of U.S. air raids. According to Reuters, it goes about the victims of 24 different airstrikes conducted between 20 November 2015 and September 2016. Five civilians were killed in the vicinity. Oh, well, who cares? We don't even know where that is. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, somebody at uh, the... Uh, what is he here? Uh, chairman of the Islamic Committee. He says, why do we hear such a statement from the Pentagon now? I think this is a propaganda move in order to add more weight to accusations against Russia to demonstrate two-sided objectivity. After the United States admits to killing civilians, the accusations against Russia will look more convincing. It turns out that up to 90% of the victims of U.S. airstrikes are civilians. Will there be any consequences? Of course not. There never is. Even when you're caught red-handed. Even when Lieutenant Callie got caught red-handed mowing down women and children because somebody on the radio told him to. Colin Powell and the rest of his buddies on Americom covered it up for him. He didn't go to prison. No, the Pentagon covered it all up. Why? Well, it wouldn't look good for them if, you know, it came out that their people were actually out there massacring women and children. No, sweep it under the rug. Too bad for you. Sorry about that. Yeah. So get them little ones signed up. Quick, get on down to the recruiter's office. All right, here's some things. I don't know if I'm going to get through this. I, you know, I'm looking at the clock. I won't. But here's a, a thing from a website called Bearing Arms that uh, pretty good. It's five laws that you know Trump could do pretty quick, pretty easy, ending gun-free zones on military bases. He could do that with executive order, and that. You know, not allowing soldiers to carry guns, they're in the armed services. And you're not going to let them carry guns on the military base? I, I just don't understand that reasoning. You don't trust your military is what I'm getting out of that. Uh, national concealed carry reciprocity. Uh, uh, you know, Trump could sign those. Uh, there are four different bills to choose from in the House and Senate. They're already working on it. Legalizing silencers, okay? There's something there, too. The Hearing Protection Act. It's already written and has co-sponsors. Now, why are silencers illegal? Oh, maybe they don't want you out practicing shooting. Oh, maybe they think everybody's going to turn into an assassin. You know, that's it. You know, because we watch the movies and only assassins have silencers. Nobody would use a silencer at the range because they don't want to blow out their eardrums. No, nobody would do that. They want to do uh, NIC uh, background check reform, uh, allow importation of collectible firearms, blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, that's the whole thing. See, Obama put a ban on re-importing M1 Garands, M1 Carbines, and M1911 pistols. Those are American-made, but there's tons of them overseas, and we could import them. But nope, Obama said, no, no, can't do that, can't do that. Yep, because M1 Garands, oh boy, you know, you could use those, so we can't have that. Trump could fix it. Let's see if he does. 
Anyway, I got to go. I'll be back in a, well, a few hours tonight. Coming up next is uh, Mission Watch, so stay tuned. And as always, thanks for listening. Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. You've just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called, and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Branch at the Mission Church in 
about Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need, first aid, beds, We are broadcasting live from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is November 10th, 2016. The world is in turmoil. Most just don't realize that, but we are in that time of the end. And that's the time before Messiah's glorious return. So it's time to get out of sin, the world, and look to the holy city. Look to the one who suffered and died for you. Hear the sound of the shofar. Heed the warning. Get right now before it's too late. Please make this choice tonight. If you need help after this program, call me. I pray for you or with you. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, and or message. The phone number, of course, is 620-878-4682. 620-878-4682. And an emergency, my cell phone number is 316-619-4886. Now, you can always find updates with the breaking news, our ministry, radio program archives, email address, all that our mailing and our mailing address at our blog, which is very simply prophecyhour.com, prophecyhour.com. You know, when I was out there uh, shopping around, looking at putting in End Time Radio by Messiah's Branch and seeing what all kinds of podcatchers, you know, that's a some kind of an entity that picks it up, downloads them, and plays them for themselves. Uh, that play Messiah's Branch, and I found a bunch of them. But I'd appreciate it if you go to, you can listen on any way that you want to, but I'd appreciate it sometimes that you would go over and visit prophecyhour.com because there's so much other stuff there about our ministry and so on and so forth. And remember, if you just want audio archives, try the messiahsbranch.com page. Also, 
really branch.podomatic.com is our main archive page. It's smartphone friendly. It has apps. And by the way, I have somebody in Wichita that's volunteered to build us an app for uh, our radio program, ministry, and everything. And so we are having our own personal app made. So you folks out there that are listening on radio or listening on your smartphones or later when this goes to podcast, we're building an app special for you. Anyway, remember, prayer requests can sent by U.S. Postal Service with your return address or your phone number to call you back. These requests will be taken to Wichita Mission Church, anointed with oil, prayed over, and sent back to you at your request with no solicitation for donations. <clears throat> and we also have a prayer request form, uh, form on the right-hand side of our Prophecy Hour and MessiahsBranch.com pages. We are, remember, we are a national satellite radio program, so pray about supporting airtime. On another note, I want to thank our listener base. It is worldwide in places like Moscow, Russia, St. Petersburg, Russia, Istanbul, Turkey, um, Kenya, Tehran, Iran, and Kong, boy, this is one, Chongqing, China. Anyway, forgive me if I mispronounced it, folks. I'm not much of it on the Chinese. Anyway, Washington, places in the United States like Washington, D.C., Houston, Texas, Jacksonville, Florida, Nashville, Tennessee, Detroit, Michigan, and San Jose, California, as well as Wichita, Kansas, which remains the largest persistent group of listeners to our radio programs when they podcast later tonight. And so you folks in Wichita, pray about supporting Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's coming up, and... We could use some people that might want to volunteer to cook some turkeys at home and debone them and bring them to us. Or if you have a turkey you'd like to donate or fixing pies, any of that kind of thing, Thanksgiving is our biggest day. And so pray about it. And we do Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving. And we also do it the day after because um, we're open on Friday. So we serve Thanksgiving dinner two days in a row. Now prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name, I pray. I pray that radio tonight goes according to your will and not my will, nor guest will, Father, um, but your will. So please give everyone out there ears and wish to hear the truth. And thank you so much for blessing us with this program. In Yeshua HaMashiach's name, amen and amen. Well, Wednesday I woke up and went outside. Was the sun shining brighter or was that just me? Really, to maybe half of America, give or take, it really did seem much brighter. So, yeah, I'm talking about the Donald Trump win, or should we call him now President-elect Trump? That kind of sounds funny, but, boy, a huge pressure was lifted off of me. First, something about Hollywood. You know, people in Hollywood are reacting. These are reacting, actually feeling sorry to the tears that are being shed by these godless or Satan-worshipping types out of Hollywood crying over the Trump win. What planet are we on when folks listen to these people who have no values other than to sleep around or with anyone or anything? And I did say anyone or anything. Hollywood is nothing but a, it's corruptness for the most part. In fact, so many people like or live or breathe on what they say, which following those folks like that, that's just simply idol worship. And it's against the Father. You know, they, they do that, they follow those people, and then they say they're Christians. You know, the word Christian means Christ-like, not devil-like. And they're against Trump, really. So a, a vote against Trump was a vote for killing children, and that's a fact. 
That's what the what many Dem, most Democrats are for. But if you even vote Democrat, that's their platform. So that's what they're for. So they're voting for you're voting for killing children. So wake up and follow the real God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob before it's too late. You know, and his son is Yeshua HaMashiach, which Yeshua means salvation. And you can even look that up in a strong concordance. White evangelical voters made up one in four of all voters in this 2016 election. That's a big jump. Despite reservations expressed by many evangelical and Republican leaders, white born-again evangelical Christians cast their ballots for Trump 81%. Uh, to 16% margin over Hillary Clinton. You know, we're really seeing good signs that the markets are really feeling what a Trump president can bring. We're seeing an uptick and not this huge downtick that we thought we would see. We could still see it, but we'll see. I'm skeptical, good skeptical. Most people really do not realize that out there still, folks, really, we just missed World War III, or did we? You know, this is in. Uh, this is just in yesterday from our article on Heat Street, uh, and it says Kremlin Clinton victory would would have led to World War III between Russia and the U.S. and that's on Heat Street. Putin's advisors, Sergey Glasbeni, whatever, went as far as to officially suggest that Trump's victory saved the world from World War III. Americans had two choices. World War III or multinational peace, um, multilateral peace. Clinton was a symbol of war, and Trump has a chance to catch, uh, change his course. Well, an aide to Putin expressed his excitement with Trump as well. He stated that the end of the Obama administration will be the end of the problems that it caused between the criminal Washington, including sanctions. I also saw a video of Putin talking about it. And he said he that they wanted peace, and they would try to get it, but it would be very, very hard due to what all America has done to us. Um, so one of the first things we saw uh, Trump do, though, he was reaching out to Israel. He was reaching out to Netanyahu. We believe um, we believe that the United States. It still has a role to play to help Israel, and President-elect Trump wants to help Israel, but I would say bless him. So that you, it's like this. Trump wants to bless Israel, so the Father blesses those who bless Israel and curses those who curse Israel. This is part of the covenant made with Abraham that never, never expires. In fact, it is a covenant that allows Gentiles to be grafted in or saved, so to speak. What it is, today's guest is Lori Cardoza Moore. She's a founder and president of pro-Israeli Christian organization proclaiming justice to the nation. She's been on with us before. You should remember. She's also a special envoy to the United Nations for Israel from the World Council of Independent Christian Churches. She was this year named among the top 100 posi- uh, people positively impacting Jewish life by Algemeyer's news organization, and I give him one of those words I can't pronounce so well. But anyway, let's welcome Lori Cardoza. Are you there with me, Lori? I'm here. Thank you for having me back on the program. Yeah, I didn't know if it was going to happen. I guess you were tied up just a little while ago in another interview, were you not? It's been a busy last couple of days, yes. Everybody's think- excited. Yeah, I was going to say, is it busy, exciting, uh, good, or bad? 
No, it's all it's all good. Um, you know, Tuesday was a um, an incredible day for all of us, and um, there's hope. And I I do believe God has heard our prayers, and many people have been praying and fasting over the last couple of months. Um, and of course, those that fasting and those prayers have intensified over the last week. And so we are just we're excited about the opportunities that we have um, with regards to the incoming president-elect Trump. Yes, amen. Amen. Um, Before we get real deep in, uh, start our conversation, and and we've got some great things to talk about. First, though, please tell them which uh, PJTN is, really, so the folks will know that haven't heard you before. Proclaiming Justice to the Nation's mission is to educate Christians about our biblical responsibility to stand with our Jewish brethren and to defend the state of Israel against the rise of global genocidal anti-Semitism. And, of course, we accomplished that mission by producing award-winning films um, educating Christians about that responsibility, giving them a biblical perspective. Um, Because, Pastor, unfortunately, we do not hear... Um, the message preached from many of the pulpits about that responsibility. And as you so eloquently stated in um, in your opening statement uh, in introducing me, the Abrahamic covenant is still intact. And it is the covenant that opens up the opportunity for Gentiles to be in relationship with Almighty God. And, of course, the Apostle Paul talked about that um, to the believers in Galatia as well as um, in Ephesians. And so I so appreciate um, having interviews with pastors like yourself who understand this responsibility. And, you know, if you look at, at what's happened to this country over the last eight years of this Obama administration, this we have been cursed. You know, yeah. Genesis twelve three. God said, I will bless those who bless you, Abraham, and I will curse him who curses you, and all the nations will bless themselves by you. And unfortunately, um, our, the current administration has not blessed Israel. We have been a thorn in Israel's side. And when uh, Trump came up with his 16-point um, position with regards to Israel and the Middle East, I was very encouraged to see some of the positions that he was going to actively um, take, for example, moving the embassy, which has been something we have been waiting for for years to happen, moving the U.S. embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, recognizing that Jerusalem is the eternal capital of the state of Israel, of the Jewish people. And I think that we're going to see um, during the next four years, um, with Trump implementing these these mm-hmm. policies now, we're going to see blessings come back to this country like we've not seen in a long time. Yeah, amen. I, I strongly agree with you. I, I think it was the, the election of Trump was twofold. I do believe that there's a lot of um, Christians out there that that finally decided that they needed to, you know, to actually vote. So many just didn't vote and did vote Trump in. But I also believe it's because of the very words that the Father interceded, interceded and probably put it on their hearts for them to vote because of his stance on Israel. And it's exactly for that blessing, uh, blessing for blessing uh, proposition. 
Yes, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because um, uh, our chairman of our board, Mr. Stanley G. Tate, is a close friend and um, has worked in business um, with the president-elect Trump. And so it's been interesting to watch this whole process um, to be to um, to see the interest. And, you know, I was the day of the Tuesday during the day of the elections, mm-hmm. as I was watching some of the commentary, um, I wasn't very hopeful that we were going to uh, that Trump was going to win. And I looked at, you know, Hillary Clinton's policies. I looked at the Democrats. Uh, uh, party platform at, with regards to Israel, and it it tri- it disturbed me tremendously that this woman could possibly be elected as president of the United States and continue the same continue down the same road with the same policies um, as what this administration, this current ad- administration, has been pushing. And so when we saw that, um, as I was watching the numbers come in and as we were watching state by state, how Trump was taking more and more, it, it's just, it was such a blessing to me because, and I, I remember as I went to bed 2.30 in the morning, I was <laughs> oh, praying and I was, I was, missed it. I, I know I was, I was praying and thanking God that it looked like um, this was going to go our way. And of course, we, we know the outcome. Um, we're very excited about the opportunities that this is going to bring to us as, um, as a country, um, but also to our Jewish brethren. And I have received several emails from our Jewish friends in Israel. Um, they're very excited um, about uh, the outcome. And we're all looking for, for more positive um, relationships and opportunities um, to come our way in the in right. the coming years during this next uh, administration. So, okay, uh, a couple of questions, and then we've got some uh, other some good topics to go into about all this. But you're in the United Nations. I'm curious. You know, uh, uh, some of us have wondered if that after the election, if uh, you know the Hillary. Uh, if Hillary lost, then Obama might, uh, you know, or they might pat, try to pass something in the United Nations towards splitting Israel or something even maybe more dramatic. Um, do you have, you're in the United Nations, you think, what do you think about that? Think they well, might we have, something? yes, we have, we've heard to be watching for Obama that he might try to force a Palestinian state um, before he leaves office as his lasting or his parting legacy. And I, I don't sense that that's going to happen. I haven't seen anything that um, would lead me to believe um, that he's going to pursue that. I think he is being cautious. Um, I think everybody is still in a state of shock in Washington, D.C., and at the United Nations um, yeah. from Tuesday's outcome. And I don't think, I don't see at this point in time, um, him doing anything. If he did, if he would attempt to do something, I, I know uh, that, that uh, Trump, upon the inauguration, would immediately work to reverse whatever 
um, right. Obama would try to put in place. He will not let that stand. And I and I would believe that Trump, even before Inauguration Day, would publicly come out condemning a move like that by Obama, that that right. would be totally out of bounds to to initiate um, something yeah. like that, especially with the incoming knowing the policy of an incoming Trump administration right. relative to Israel. So, you know, the 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 U.N., I know that people we've heard some of the leaders of the around the world who have made comments about, you know, Trump being elected. And and of course, their comments weren't very pleasant. But, you know, they're all going to have to get used to Donald Trump and his way of doing business. So we are excited about what that's going to mean at the United Nations. This his his election is so it's meaningful on so many levels. And I expect that there's going to be a whole new attitude at the United Nations with um, with a Trump ambassador um, sitting yeah. at the helm at the U.N., sitting on the Security Council and all of the committees that are critically important at the United Nations. Yeah, absolutely. I, and you're right. I'm, I'm sorry I'm laughing, but really... I've watched some of the, the reactions from, you know, I've been watching across the world and from the United Nations, and I agree. Um, they're in a, a state of shock um, that this could even happen because it, you, a Trump administration means so much, not only just for Israel, but for the whole world. And uh, uh, just like uh, Russia, Russia said Hillary was going to be war. And they immediately mm-hmm. said, okay, we're happy. Trump's in. We're willing to work for you. People don't realize how close we were to World War III with, with uh, that happening. Well, if you look at the policies of this current administration, every place Obama has put his carbon footprint, he has created chaos, and he has weakened America around the world especially in the eyes of many leaders, world leaders. We are not respected as a country, but I think a whole new level of respect um, was achieved on Tuesday. Because, you know, I, it, I it reminds me a lot of, of, of what happened, a lot like what happened with Ronald Reagan. In 1980, um, when he minute. came we in. Have to go, we have to go to a break. Um, we'll come back and talk about it. Tell them where your website is so they can get to it and look at all your wonderful articles over there and look, check out your videos and all that. Tell them where it's at, and we'll go to break. Absolutely. They can go to pjtn.org. That's pjtn.org. Okay, folks, and, and wherever you, later on after this gets off, uh, about probably 9 o'clock tonight after this gets off of satellite live late radio, and some of you are listening live on the net, but wherever you find it out in the podcast and those things, you'll be able to find, should be able to find a link, especially if you go to our site or branch.podomatic.com, you'll find a direct link to her site, and then on our site on ProfCRP, scroll down, you'll see a, a DVD from her on there. Anyway, we'll be back in three minutes. Pastor D. 
Suzanne will be right back. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
Well, we're back. This is Pastor Dan Catlin, and you're listening to Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour on the American Voice Radio Network. Well, remember to pray tonight about a donation for our work with the homeless and poor from our mission church in Wichita, Kansas. You know, I, I think things are going to get much better for everybody across the country. And listen to me. You know, we have the same some of the same people that have donated and supported our mission church for years. Problem was, after the economy went and uh, went away, with Obama and all of his policies and never came back, well, then those people didn't have as much money to donate. I believe that an increased economy will bring back uh, prosperity for everybody and even help get some of these people out of the street because a lot of they really, really do want to work. And it also uh, will be a plus for this ministry. But, you know, I've talked uh, with a c- couple of people recently over radio needs, and I just wanted to say on the air, thank you. You know, I mean, I talked with a truck driver who's sending a brand-new um, laptop to us. That's the need, because all of these things are heading us towards doing video. Right now, American Voice Radio, you can go to YouTube right now, and they're streaming this show live on YouTube. But we've got some things coming. We've got a top-of-the-line webcam coming and also a professional video camera that somebody would like to use in a studio to uh, make DVDs or whatever. But these are some things that we really need. But I'm still waiting on the digital recording soundboard that that somebody called me and said he was going to send it. You know, brother, if you're having problems with postage or something, give us an update on it so we know where we're at because we really do need that. Anyway... Um, I'm also right now unsure about a flat screen because we need a big screen for Skype because when we finally get done with this taping, you'll be able to see us taping interviews with people, kind of like if you ever watched Joel Richardson do it. He has a screen and he talks to the person. And so we're going to be doing broadcasting like that also and also broadcasting for the Wichita Mission Church. So we do need your, the radio does need your support to go through this transition. Thanksgiving, we need uh Sponsors, pray about a donation for Thanksgiving. It's the biggest day of the year, or rather days of the year for the Wichita Mission Church. If you're sending a donation for Thanksgiving, mark it for Thanksgiving. Yes, you can send through the mail. If you're sending through the U.S. mail, make sure you mark it and send me an email saying that you sent it so I can tell my wife how much she has to plan with. And also, radio does need your support. Um, so please, you know, if it's for radio, mark it for radio. If you're mailing a donation for radio, mark it that way. If you're doing it online, then send me an email. Anyway, we do need your support right now. Recently, we've had a, a few new people donate, so things do look like they're starting to change. So, But we really do need your help. Why? You know, folks, we're the last hope for so many. We're responsible to care one for another as we are our brother's keepers. All donations, no matter what size helps, and the follower notices all donations that come from where? Your heart. If you don't wish to help with the poor again, if radio is blessing you, like tonight's uh, interview with Lori Cardoza Moore, you know, this is a real blessing to hear her and to know what's going on. So if radio is a blessing, send a donation uh, for radio. Pray about sponsoring airtime. Anyway, you can donate online or mail a check or money order, and you can find all that information at prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. And now we're back with Lori Cardoza. More. Are you there with us, Lori? I'm here, Pastor. Thank you. Well, I love having you on. And, you know, I'm overjoyed about your love for Israel. And 
I, I take turns with your, your videos, and, and you should probably tell the folks about them before we get back into everything. You know, you got some really dramatic videos, and uh, I take the covers of those and change them around and put them on my page to advertise, you know, the videos in your website, because I believe in what you're doing. Oh, thank you, Pastor Dan. It means more than you know, and and I, I definitely want to encourage your audience. But first, I want to thank your audience. I want to thank the evangelical Christians who showed up to vote on Tuesday. You know, we just finished talking about the elections and the impact and what it's going to mean to the United States to have a Trump administration. But we would not be here tonight having this conversation had your listeners and 81% of the evangelical Christians in the United States showing up to vote. Mm-hmm. Things could have ended up quite differently. And unfortunately, um, the evangelical Christian church did not show up during the last presidential election cycle. But the church showed up this time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was there's so much that was at stake, as you well know. But our Jewish brethren, you know, there's a, a, a story that I like to remind Christians about. When Joshua was getting ready to take the Israelites, they were going to cross the Jordan, they were going to go in, and they were going to take the land. And it was Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh who didn't want to cross the Jordan. They wanted to stay on the lush green area east of the Jordan River because they had lots of flocks. And Joshua chastised them and said, will you discourage your brethren, your other brethren, by not crossing over this Jordan today? And he told them, you can have the territory. You can leave your women and children there with your flocks, but all your men of war must cross this Jordan, and you must help your brethren take their territory. We, as Christians cannot sit on the western side of the Atlantic and allow Israel to fight this battle by herself. We were raised up for such a time as this. We were born into this generation for such a time as this. And had the church not answered the call, and I know there was a greater effort put out to to get Christians to show up, to understand how critically important it is that we be engaged in our our government. If we create, if we pull out, we create a vacuum. And we've seen the effect of that vacuum for the last eight years. But there is hope. And God has answered our prayers. So I do want to thank your audience. But I do want to encourage your audience. The key for us is to be educated, to be informed. And the reason why we produce the award-winning documentaries and our television show, uh, Focus on Israel, which is a weekly episodic program, you can, if you go to the website, you'll get to see where we are broadcasting. But I would encourage your, your listeners to go to the website, order our films, and then share them with your church, with your pastor, share them with your Bible study group, have a Bible study around those films, the documentaries and the episodes. There, there's some great information there. And, and have a discussion about 
um, what it means to stand with our Jewish brethren. What does that look like? You know, just like Gad and Manasseh, the half-tribe of Manasseh and Reuben, didn't want to cross over, we are brethren in the faith. We were grafted in to the commonwealth of Israel because of Yeshua Messiah. And we cannot allow our Jewish brethren to have to fight this battle alone. They have to have us stand with them. We are the only ones who should, because we read our Bibles, we know our Bibles. But we have to be educated. We have to know the Bible. We have to know what the Word of God says. Because unfortunately, Pastor Dan, you probably know this better than, than most. A lot of pastors do not preach about Israel. Because unfortunately, we're, we're witnessing a rise of replacement theology once again within Christendom. And for those in the audience who, who are not familiar with replacement theology, replacement theology um, is a heretical teaching that's been passed down from generation to generation that because of the rejection of Messiah, God is done with the Jewish people. And that is not true. God made a covenant with Abraham, and he will fulfill every aspect of that covenant. And it is up to us as Christians, as, as Gentiles in the faith, to stand with our Jewish brethren and, and, and fight for them on their behalf, not allowing them to stand alone. So, Amen. But, but the filter are an important component, an important tool that we use to help reach Christians. Yeah, amen. Um, Lori, I just love having you on. Uh, just for just, I could sit here and listen to you for hours, actually, because you're so absolutely right. You know, you get it, and it's a, and the one thing I'll say about replacement theology, it's not something that most Christians would. Not, I mean, you know, it's just something that, you know, it, it it's happened generationally, and it's mm-hmm. not really that they intentionally mean to think in that mannerism. But it has been passed down for so, so very long. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the unfortunate consequences of replacement theology and that mindset is the rise of anti-Semitism. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, we see that rise of anti-Semitism once again rearing its ugly head in our generation and even within the evangelical Christian world. You know, the next documentary that is getting ready to be released and your, your audience can go to our website and pre-order their copy, but the documentary is called Boycott This, and we produced the documentary for the millennials because the young people are being... Di- inundated with propaganda and lies on our university campuses across the United States. And it's not just our secular uh, campuses, it's evangelical Christian campuses. We've seen what's happened to Wheaton College um, or Roberts University, whose president is Mark Green, or was president. He's now in in, in an emeritus status. He has also funded pro-Palestinian propaganda suggesting that, um, that the Jews are occupying Palestinian land. This is outrageous that this mentality is still, what is still pervasive within Christianity when we have our yeah. Bibles. But the problem is Christians are not studying all the way back to the beginning of the book, to the beginning of, of the Bible, yeah. to Genesis. And unless you know the story... Unless you 
see how God established a nation and the plans that he had for that nation, um, you cannot, you can't understand, you, you, you'll fall prey for this narrative that many evangelical Christians are now starting to fall for. In fact, we've seen that replacement theology um, pervasive within the mainline denominations. Right. But to see it happen within the evangelical church is very disturbing because evangelicals are, are known for studying their Bible. They know the Word of God, and they study all of the Bible, not just, not just the New Testament. So it's, it's an important thing that we have to confront and address. I mean, I was reading about John Calvin, and John Calvin had another believer, another Christian, burned at the stake because that that believer did not agree with his teaching and uh, with regards to the Trinity. And right. that's disturbing that in, in the history of Christianity that we've done things in the name of Christ that are shocking to us in our generation. And our documentary, The Forgotten People, Christianity and the Holocaust, actually goes through the history, documented history, of what Christians have done to the Jewish people. Um, oh yeah, let me put in for a second, I, I, <laughs> folks. That is the that the forgotten people. That is dynamite. You know, Lori, I took that to our mission church. You know, and I played it, and you know, I got oohs and ahs and all that stuff, and and I had a real reaction to it. But it, it's it while it's a wonderful video, it's not wonderful what mm-hmm. happened in it, so to speak. No. But um, folks, if you want to, you need to get that to educate yourself. It's and believe me, I get lot, Lori, I get lots of DVDs and, and things from people all over the world, you know, uh, to look at because they, I interview. That's what I do is I interview people that do DVDs and books and everything. And by far, you know, it, it writes right up there with some of the stuff that that Joel Richardson has put out. But mm-hmm. yours is that one is a little simpler and a little bit easier to understand, and it, mm-hmm. it's just dynamite. You, people really need to see it. Back to you. But- well, I appreciate you saying that because the documentaries that we produce, we want it's they're produced for a Christian audience and Christians with at least a, a background knowledge of the Bible and the the story about Israel and the Jewish people. But we do go into to great detail about what has happened historically. And many Christians, you know, when when you become a Christian, um, there isn't a class that we take, Christianity 101. You know, immediately we're thrust into church, we're studying the Bible, but we don't go back and study the history of what was done in the name of Christ. And it's so important, Pastor Dan, I'm sure you agree, that we have to study our past in in order to understand where we have come from right. and to understand where we are going. What is our destiny you know, there were many who came before us, but now this is our time. God has put us on the planet at this hour. He put life, he breathed life into our souls for such a time as this. And we are witnessing, we all, I know you agree with me, we are living in prophetic times. Yeah, I mean, this is the last days. We are living absolutely. in the last days. And how fortunate, Pastor Dan, that God in his his great mercy would allow us to be alive today, not 500 years ago, not a thousand years ago, but today that, and, and when we think about that, 
it's quite humbling because obviously he believes that there's something within us, of course, that he's created that he wants to use at this hour. So it's, it's wonderful to be alive. It's incredible, and it's a, a tremendous honor, and it's very humbling to be called um, oh. as, as part of the kingdom and to be called to the, the, the field, to, to be called to doing the work that we do. We're each called to something different. And I count it an honor and a blessing that the Lord would, would pierce my heart about Israel and about our Jewish brethren and, and, and pierce it to the point to help other Christians understand that we have an important role to play at this hour. Well, amen. Gary, you've got to really have a, a, a unique spirit about you to be able to go into some place like the United Nations and be able to, um, you know, put yourself off without coming off with anger and all kinds of things, but to, to be that person. And so that is a tremendous blessing, and that says something about your character to be able to do that. I couldn't walk in there. I'd be, I would, there's a couple of people I'd like to talk to. You know what I mean? I know. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. I thought I when the Lord first called me to the UN, when that opportunity was presented and Dr. Lapoli asked me to represent the world council of independent Christian churches there, I was so excited because I looked at it as an opportunity. And the Lord reminded me that there are Christians in that building. Of course, my perspective of the United Nations prior to that was it's time to, you know, pack that building up and move it to another shore because it doesn't belong in the United States of America because they don't reflect our values. But the Lord humbled me and he said, there are other believers in there. And if you don't go in and challenge them on what they believe, he said, they're not going to hear this message. And so my focus has always been to reach the Christian ambassadors, their delegates, their staffers with this message. And I remind them, you know, you, um, God raises up kings and he brings them down. And God placed them in the, that position of authority at the United Nations for such a time as this. Yeah. And I would not want to be on the wrong side of God in history. Um, if I were them. And of course, there, you know, I've been able to build some relationships. It's taken a couple years. It's not an easy place to navigate right. through spiritually um, or build friendships because I'm the outspoken one in all the, the human rights meetings when they gather the, the leaders together. And of course, um, when anti Semitism isn't addressed, I'm the one to to push it out there and ask how come that isn't being discussed. And of course, people look at me like, you know, I have three heads. <laughs> I just, I just smile. <laughs> I just want to know what are we going to do about the anti-Semitism because it is growing around the world and they don't want to hear that because after all, that's the Jews. And if the Jews would just give up the land, there wouldn't be any anti-Semitism. That's their attitude. It's very that's, arrogant, but I, I smile. I, I'm gracious. Amen. And I just I, continue I to show up. <laughs> I believe it. Well, and Somebody's got to do it. That's a special spirit. So you were called to do that, and that's so amazing. Hey, I did have uh, one question. Uh, we've got about four minutes left, and, and I really wanted to get mm-hmm. this out. Now, I knew about you know, the, the ruling on the control of the Temple Mount, which is just disgusting. Because, but then I seen this in the press release that you had, that mm-hmm. they're trying to gain control of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, I mm-hmm. didn't hear about that. Um, could you yes, make that a is- rush on that? Yes. 
So for the listening audience who may not be familiar, um, UNESCO um, had two votes during the month of October denying any Jewish connection to the Temple Mount. Instead of using Jewish na- a Jewish um, name or naming it the Holy Temple or the, the Temple Mount, which historically is what it is, they only used the, the Arabic name for the Temple Mount and essentially denying any Jewish connection. Well, ironically, um, now the United Nations, or I'm sorry, Mahmoud Abbas, is petitioning UNESCO, the same organization that voted to deny any Jewish connection to the Temple Mount, Mahmoud Abbas has petitioned UNESCO to give him back, give the Palestinians back the Dead Sea Scrolls. And this is another, this is the height of arrogance. Mahmoud Abbas is not going to stop. They've renamed Hebron, the, um, the Cave of the Patriarchs, the Cave of Machpelah. They've renamed Rachel's tomb. They are slowly but surely trying to take every holy site that is holy to Judaism and take it over for themselves and rename it. They, it, this is basically revisionist history. It's no different than True. what we're witnessing um, in our, our children's textbooks. Um, we've learned recently also that UNESCO's textbooks that are being used in Palestinian schools and being funded by U.S. taxpayer dollars is also promoting Palestinian, Palestinians killing Jews. This is and this is outrageous because our tax dollars are going to fund this. So I'm I can't tell you enough how excited I am um, to have a new administration coming in January 20th. I believe that it's going to change the whole atmosphere um, at the United Nations because it gives me the authority. I'm able to go into the UN as a with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.